and Zeke is in four to three aspect ratio. <laughs> <laughs> that... the integrity of my Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode. Special episode. <laughs> a special episode of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast. Uh, whenever we do a special episode. Special episode. You left like space to... for the second one. I'm so, I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> we like to try to slot it in between our monthly schedules so that you don't miss out on any normal episodes. You just get more of us. You're welcome. Also, I'm sorry. Um, in special episodes can be for any reason if there was a particular film we all liked and wanted to collectively choose or if we have a special guest or in this case because of a new release that just came out that we wanted to talk about right away this time it was the Snyder Cut of Justice League yes surprise the thing the whole internet is talking about we're talking about it too I know you're shocked I can hear it through the future through the internet I'm your host Scott Murray and I'm joined by my Fellow founding members, Joel Lewis. You should probably move. <laughs> green Lantern, Tim Gerard. Make my suit green and make it animated. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, I guess non-founding member, Zeke Perez. Hello, I didn't have a cool thing. I don't know, <laughs> you threw me off there. I mean, you were going to be Batman. <laughs> I thought I was going to be Superman, and then I was going to make a case for Bizarro, and then I was going to say goodbye instead of hello. So who's a typical eighth member, right? I mean, who, who should be? <laughs> He's <laughs> Booster Gold. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yes. Yeah, so we're doing this special episode to talk about the Snyder Cuts, and I want to start us off. Each of you, just you know, we'll, we'll pick an order here. I have sort of a two-part that I want you all to push through. Not. I don't want us to get bogged down, but I also don't want you to do like, oh, two sentences, you know. So oh, us get some... bogged down in intro? <laughs> <laughs> so just give me a brief response here. Question one is, where did you stand, I guess, in like 2019, right? What was your experience with the other DC films? Them being Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman. That's Aquaman, it Suicide Squad. Aquaman hadn't come out yet, right? Suicide Squad, thank you. You said 2019, Aquaman, Aquaman would have been out. Oh, right. Uh, I'm already forgetting You're my own rules here, right? <laughs> Just where were you with the other DC films? Did you see them? When did you see them? What did you think of them? What did you know about the Snyder Cut campaign as it gained steam, right? That's all question one. Where did you stand? And then question two is first impression of the Snyder Cut. What did you think? Uh, for reference, we're going to call the original release of Justice League the studio cut throughout this podcast, just to keep the two separate. So, yeah, Zeke, you go first. Yeah. Um, so, I don't. I, I guess I'd say I was all over the place with the um, with the original DC movies. Um, I mean, I, I had or have uh, Man of Steel on DVD, so apparently I liked that at some point. Um, you know, Wonder Woman was great. Um, I mean, it, I don't know. It's just been kind of up and down um, in terms of quality and in terms of enjoyment, I feel like. Um, so I don't know. I guess definitely tuned, tuned in to the rest of them. Um, you know, saw Justice League when it came out. Uh, wasn't the most impressed, I don't think, with, 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 with the theatrical cut. 
Um, yeah, it just, you know, felt like a lot didn't go right for that one. And I think that's kind of the consensus, right? Hence why we're here with this new one. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know, I guess to sum it up all over the place. Um, and then I don't know, I think I was kind of cold on the Snyder cut coming into it just because of the, um, I guess just the, the, the Twitter influence I'll say, um, right. Justice league comes out. You get a lot of people who are unhappy about it. Um, a lot of people who are defensive about it not being good. A lot of people who are like finding joy in it not being good. And just kind of this battle on Twitter that's there for any topic, right? People are always fighting about something. Um, but with this one, right, I think it kind of morphed into people um, taking sides and then people pushing the studios to get this cut of exactly what they demanded out of the movie because it wasn't delivered in the first place. And I think seeing that and seeing some of the fallout with the push for the Snyder cut kind of cooled me on it and pushed me away from it. Yeah. So I think that's where I landed coming into it. Um, and then, so are we doing one and two or are we rotating? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, yeah. So curveball though, really liked it, really liked the Snyder cut. Um, I wasn't expecting that. Right. I, like I said, I think I was cooled. Had one of my coworkers ask me, you know, what I thought of the trailer when the trailer dropped. Um, when I was planning to watch it, all that stuff. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't really feel like watching it, to be honest. And uh, I think this podcast is kind of what led me to watching it so soon because I wasn't there necessarily going to rush out and try to see it. But that being said, dove in, watched the four hours and really liked it a lot. So excited to talk about it. Joel, why don't you go next? Okay. Um, So... DCEU, as it was known for like three months and then the studio didn't like people calling it that. Um, I really liked Man of Steel. It is not a perfect film. It is not a perfect Superman film. And it has 16 endings. Um, But it's smashing and crashing and and, an interesting take. And I liked kind of having more of a... They kind of took the, the inspiration from like the Batman films with kind of this flashback origin format which hadn't been done with superman previously so i really enjoyed that i own it and i remember why i own it (laughs) um i came out of batman v superman and yelled at my friend alice because she was the closest person and it wasn't her fault it wasn't anybody's fault i was really angry after watching bvs and it was really kind of eye-opening experience of like that's kind of the first i don't know it's like a big eye-opening experience for me in terms of like fanboying and putting expectations on something and being disappointed and then having a visceral angry reaction to it. And it wasn't a healthy moment. It wasn't a great reaction. I have not gone back and watched it again since. um, And I still haven't seen the definitive version of it. Um, I, at that point, I was pretty much checked out on the franchise. I thought um, I'll go see Suicide Squad because that was a precursor to Justice League. I came out of that film feeling like it was a two and a half hour long trailer or compilation. And it, I, at that point, I was like, I'm not giving the studio any more money. Um, and obviously, I've had a long, long boycott of the, the studio cut of Justice League. I didn't see it in theaters because I was like, this is, I, I have learned my lesson. I'm no longer going to throw money down this hole. 
Um, I, you guys have heard, I, I tried to get drunk one night to watch it and I couldn't get past, uh, Batman talking to the parademon, um, with the Gothamite thug spewing exposition. And then in, in kind of a scramble for another podcast, him and I do, um, I watched it right before that and we talked about it and I could kind of get the demons out after seeing it. I saw that maybe a month or two ago, month, month and a half ago, I saw the studio cut and I, I will never watch that cut of the film again. I was very vindicated as I watched it, not having spent money to see it originally. And afterwards it is a giant mess and not, not enjoyable. Um, so in terms of the, the Snyder cut fervor and the, the, the way in which this version of the film has <laughs> been brought into the world is like very disappointing, very, very, from the very jump, I was like, because I was checked out and didn't see the film and didn't really have an opinion of it other than I'm not spending money on another episode in this this saga of disappointment, I was very much like, well, this is kind of whiny fanboy at its worst. Is just and it, the the toxic nature of the Twitter campaign and the 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 kind of venom that that followed it was just it turned me off completely. So and it was just like. <sighs> Zach kind of fanning the flames is like, here's, here's a shot that, that wasn't used. Here's something I really wish we could do this. And then even the, at a certain point, the, the cast in getting on board with it was, and it became a thing and made it happen. I, it just, I was very much in the place where it's like you, you had a shot and the circumstances with which you left the film sucked. And, but I had heard that it wasn't just because of, his daughter it was because he was disagreeing with the studios and they were he was on his way out before that kind of that at least that's what i had heard at the time and kind of the narrative of of that in my head so go i i didn't think it should exist i was very frustrated that in the same way kind of the sonic campaign bullied a studio into changing something they didn't like it it, it kind of put me in a weird place where I am happy that as a fan base that we have a voice and we have a a, um, a a certain ownership of these characters and how they're they're used and what type of thing is produced. I'm unhappy with the way that this has gone, and so the whole the the campaign was was really kind of more than anything had turned me off to the idea of seeing it. <sighs> um, seeing it. And I saw it earlier than everybody else. And I've been kind of <laughs> champing at the bit. And this has been the most difficult thing to not talk to you guys about. Because you are the friends I would go to to talk about this thing. So I'm glad that we get to have this discussion. I, I will watch this again. It was enjoyable. It, it was... I mean, I sit in front of long movies like... I'll throw on an extended cut of Lord of the Rings or like, I like seven samurai and this, I was entertained and interested and kind of hanging on every frame of it in, in, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite movie and it's not without its flaws, but it is an enjoyable watching experience. Tim, you say things down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like I was kind of in a, a similar camp with everyone, you know, like I, you know, when Man of Steel came out, it was, it was kind of like, okay, like, uh, and I forget 
where we were in the Dark Knight trilogy at this point, if it had already wrapped up or if it was um, uh, still, if, if Dark Knight Rises hadn't come out yet, I forget what years they actually came out. But I know, you know, more, more most recently before that, we had Superman Returns, which I was like, okay, yeah, this is supposed to be part three of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. So that was kind of a different thing. This is like a relaunch, like, okay, they're going to try to do this, you know, more modern, realistic, gritty version, like, like cool. Um, so I was definitely on board for that. Yeah, I, again, I, I feel like for the most part, I liked it. I mean, it was way more in Krypton than I ever thought I wanted or needed. But I was like, okay, like, yeah, we haven't really seen Krypton this much. And, you know, I, and I guess, you know, it was so it was, it wasn't something I was like, hoping for in a Superman movie, but it wasn't needed, but it was like, okay, fine. You know, this isn't for me, then maybe this is for someone else. Um, and then, yeah, I just feel like things kind of fell apart from there. Um, you know, I feel like the whole Batman versus Superman thing is something that, you know, we've kind of waited for, for a while. I remember even you know, back in, um, I am legend, there's that poster of like the Superman mm -hmm. Batman symbol. And like, people were like, Oh, oh it's this, this premonition, you know, we're going to get it. And, and, and yeah, and that's the thing is like, I'm a fan of the, the, the Superman Batman comics, the, you know, the one series started by Jeff Loeb and I've read, uh, I don't know if I've read the whole series, but at least all the stories that were actually written by Jeff Loeb before the writers switched. And, and they were great. I love it. And I love the the sort of the duality of Batman and Superman, the light and dark and how much they played around with that. You know, And I know that there have been Batman versus Superman stories in addition to Bat Batman, you know, Superman slash Batman, you know, where they're working together. Um, you know, and I've kind of, you know, fam I'm familiar with some of those, you know, and, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I, I, and I've, I've, I've watched it again since then. I've asked myself like, okay, is you just, did you just not like this because it wasn't what you were expecting? And I went into it kind of watching it again, being like, okay, you know what this is. And, and I, I, I do, I will admit that I enjoyed it sort of rewatching it. Um, you know, I, I basically, I watched Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, the ultimate edition, uh, that's like three hours long and then the, the studio cut and i i did enjoy batman versus superman more this time because i knew what i was in for however you know yeah there were still some things where i was just like like yeah like why why would you do this like who 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 wanted this who is this for you know that kind of thing um but, but there was a lot of it that it you know, once I kind of knew what to expect in terms of pacing and, and dialogue and things like that, I was like, okay, yeah, like this, this accomplishes what it meant to accomplish. And then, uh, uh, I guess in, in terms of when I first saw them, uh, yeah, then, um, loved Wonder Woman, you know, thought it was great. I was like, okay, cool. Like we're just, you know, it's, it's, it, it, I feel like that was sort of the first inkling that like, maybe we shouldn't have given put in put all this stuff in Zach's hands. You know, at first I thought that was kind of the problem where I, I, I thought we were going to have like, okay, you know, Christopher Nolan did a Batman, Zack Snyder is going to do a Superman. And then they were like, no, no, do all of it, do all of it and add all of them and put them all in. And it's Batman versus Superman plus Wonder Woman and Flash and Cyborg and Aquaman and Lex Luthor and, and Doomsday. And it was just like, it, it was like so much like all, all at once. It was, um, and I was like, well, maybe, maybe we can turn it around. Maybe that was like, okay, we learned from this and we'll do better. And I thought that kind of happened with Wonder Woman. So I was, I was, I was glad. And then when we got to Justice League and I knew, yeah, like the, the production was a hot mess. So I guess maybe that was part of it too. By that point, I wasn't expecting a lot out of it. Um, and it made it a little more palatable. Um, 
you know, and I had heard the inkling about the whole like mustache controversy. And I was like, oh, whatever. It's probably not as bad as they say. And then the movie starts and I'm like, oh my God, you know? So like, it, it was just, you know, and there were, there were so many scenes that were like so important and so close up. And, and it was so like in your face, like, why is his mouth so shiny and blurry? And it was just like, oh, and, and in rewatching this too, one of the things that really which I guess we could talk about later in terms of the differences between the two, the, the, the part when he comes back and he's holding Batman by the face and he does the, do you bleed? And I was like, that was such a cool line. Like that scene was so fucking cool. Like why did it have to be ruined by his fucking lip? Like, and in, in my mind, and I didn't do any research on this and I'll get to why in a minute, but I, I, to me, what I assumed it was, was the studio, whoever that means, whether it's DC, Warner brothers, whoever, it's like delay the release, like a bunch of shit happened. Like let this come out later. Once you've actually had time to do what you need to do, like wait till Henry Cavill finishes mission impossible, get him to shave, shoot the scenes. Then, you know, like, and it just seemed like everything was just kind of like, uh, again, it was, it was a hot mess. And, um, and I mean, I expected it to be, a hot mess but it, it was you know and, and and i wanted to enjoy it you know like i i i do i i am more of a marvel person than a dc person but i also like dc stuff i also read lots of dc stuff um and there are a lot of dc stories that are that are very kind of near and dear and close to my heart and um i mean to be fair most of them are green lantern stories but like there's a lot of other stuff that that you know that i've read that i love and and, and I think that's what bothers me when you have comic book movies that don't kind of quite get there. It's like, you have so much good material to draw on. Like it, it almost seems like it's, it's, it's harder to do a bad version than to do a good version of something. So that's kind of where I was at with that. But then still, I, I had faith. I saw uh, suicide squad. It was fine. I wasn't expecting a lot for that. I don't really care a lot about all those characters. Um, Oh, also another part of this is that in the meantime, I had also been watching all the WB DC stuff like Arrow and Flash and all that. And, I, and I've been loving that this whole time. So I think that was another part of it, too, where it was like, you know, again, it's like, OK, maybe there are your expectations. But it's like, but you're also showing us like this is how good DC stories can be. These are how well written they can they can be and how how well we can you know dig into these characters and give you characters that are great and and i'll admit i was a little bit heartbroken that they weren't going to do like a crossover and use you know the cw flash to like oh no we're gonna have a new barry allen and ezra miller was was good i, I liked him but you know by this point i was you know um uh, uh, grant gustin was kind of like that was the flash in my mind you know and and it was like no no here's this new flash that's brand new and you know um, so, so again, I, I guess just to kind of give the, uh, um, the, the, the disclaimer as far as that, like, you know, um, I mean, I think we all kind of come into watching, watching films with, you know, uh, um, you know, experiences and, and not necessarily always preconceived notions, but like, this is what we're, this is the baggage we're bringing into every movie we see, you know, and I think we can never see a, a film with a blank slate, you know, um, but like, I, I always want to preface that, that like criticisms that I have, it's not that like, um, oh, I, I want to hate on DC because I'm a Marvel guy, you know? It's like, no, I, I, I want every comic book movie to be good. I want everyone to be successful. I want this, this genre to thrive and to continue for decades, you know, instead of like how they said it was going to burn out, you know, like, oh, it's a fad. People won't be making comic book movies after a while. And, um, so, so yeah, so to me, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking when one of these movies doesn't do as well as it could have done 
and I don't mean that in terms of sales. I mean that in terms of like the, the creators involved and it's like, you know, and, and the stories that are, that are chosen or the way different stories are combined. You know, it's like, um, I'm not one of those people too, who's like, Oh, I read the book and the movie wasn't as good. Like, yeah, no shit. That never happens. Like you've got to divorce yourself, you know, and not expect every word from this book you love to end up on the screen. But by now, I feel like we do know how to do an adaptation. And then, oh, uh, so the last part is I also loved Aquaman, like like Wonder Woman and Aquaman, like they were right up there, both, you know, uh, as far as like, yes, like we can have a good DC. And I also didn't expect to like Aquaman because he was, he wasn't very de- well developed in um, the studio of Justice League, was I feel like in the Aquaman movie, like, they they totally got to the heart of that character. And I was just like, holy shit. Like I never expected to care about Arthur Curry, you know, and, and you did it, you know? So, so yeah. So kind of like Zeke said, like all over the place, like there were, there were definitely parts I really liked parts. I, I hated parts. I was confused and hurt about like, why would you do this? You know? <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah, like going into Snyder cut, like I wanted it to be good. Like I, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe that is sort of the, the thing behind this is that like all of this stuff got fucked up and it was supposed to be really good. And, and, and then maybe, maybe, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, it it was because he didn't get to do, tell the story he wanted to tell. So, so yeah, going into it, I was just like, let, let, you know, please like, let this be uh, not even great. Good. But, but yeah, I I loved it. I thought it was, you know, and I, um, I probably won't watch it again in one sitting um, but I will definitely watch it again. I will, you know, I, I feel like, um, I may even watch that trilogy again of like man of steel, Batman versus Superman. And then this cut just to kind of see how that flows differently. But, but yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Um, I mean, I, I also have a few things to say about it, which I'm sure we'll get into that later, but yeah, first impressions was, I was definitely like, yes, yeah, this was good. This kind of, you know, makes me almost rethink the whole thing in a way maybe not the whole thing maybe not batman versus superman because i feel like at that point he was given the keys to the kingdom and you know you really can't i feel like you can't make excuses about that film but yeah the other justice league it's just like yeah like what the fuck happened guys like you know i feel like a lot of people dropped the ball with that and and this was like yeah good i'm i'm, I'm glad they made it and i i, I also feel like yeah if, if this would have crashed and burned like that would have been a horrible thing for for many reasons but it's like yeah i feel like you you pulled it off you stuck the landing like good for you man all right scott our our fearless leader i Bad maybe cleanup. not for much longer honestly <laughs> um i mean yeah so i i watched everything except wonder woman 1984 saw all of it and and actually you've made me realize tim i didn't see the extended cut of batman v superman Mm. despite owning it i've only seen the theatrical cut um (laughs) so yeah i mean man of steel i liked mostly agree with what joel said right about it was it had its problems but it was very good and it was a refreshing new take the biggest word that works for batman v superman is potential right (laughs) potential And some of that potential was realized, right? Certain bits. Ben Affleck was great. Gal Godot was great, right? The Lex Luthor interpretation was really cool. Nice that they were doing something new, but obviously I loved it or hated it. I don't blame you either way. I would have liked to see where that went. Um, But also they crammed in like six plots. They blew their load on the doomsday thing way too early, you know. Right, it had problems, right? So it had potential. I thought, okay, I'm willing to come back again, right? And see more. Suicide Squad, 
basically the same because it came out the same year. They both came out in 2016. So I, I didn't have time to correct anything or make changes. They just had to also put Suicide Squad out. It was put out under the same, with the same, I presume, the same ideas and goals and system that brought us Batman v Superman, right? So it also had the bones of something that could have been great, but it wasn't, but I didn't, it didn't bother me too much, right? And we're like, okay, whatever. Like we know, again, the potential's there, fine. Because then we got Wonder Woman, which was awesome. Wonder Woman was so good. And, and you know, I, I didn't even think at the time that it was maybe a problem with Snyder because Suicide Squad had also been not great and Snyder wasn't directly attached to that. You know, so I just thought, yeah, maybe they just need to chill, take a step back, don't rush your way to your Avengers film, right? Just, just do some building. Don't be impatient. Don't get tricked by Marvel trying to play catch up, right? Well, anyway, then we got Justice League, the, the studio cut. And I feel like I'm the only person on the entire internet, or maybe planet at this point, who actually kind of liked it. <laughs> its biggest single problem, firstly, I cannot see the mustache thing. I have paused the film. I have looked at it. I, it must be something wrong with me, the way I see faces. I cannot see a problem. I can't. I'm sorry. I've tried. I've looked. I don't. It, everybody looks a little weird when they do digital film instead of old-fashioned analog film. That's just been my whole theater experience for the past like 10 years. So I a little everyone looks a little shiny their skin's a little too it's that almost uncanny valley problem if scott so doesn't I, see him face to face it's all digital i don't know maybe i don't know maybe i have a problem maybe i'm a sociopath who knows that's so, so that aside when we've had this conversation before that's always kind of irked me but i you've just endeared me to it i'm okay with it now because uh, of this justification i mean that that aside right justice league wasn't wasn't perfect but it it fixed most of the Batman v Superman problem, which is that it simplified. It didn't try to cram in. Let's do Dark Knight Returns and also do our new Luther and also add some Wonder Woman and also do Doomsday and also do, you know, the, or the Dark Knight Rises had the same problem of let's do Bane and Nightfall and Water of the Demon and No Man's Land and ding, 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 you know. Justice League stopped that, which was great. They're like, no, no, one plot, real straightforward, add in the resurrection plot, call it good and it is too short that's kind of its biggest failing it's really choppy things move jerkily from one scene to the next sometimes they have to cram in some exposition sometimes they seem like they forgot to and you have to piece it together but it works again it it's i rate it higher than batman v superman because it has more not just the bones of a good idea but now like you know the bone body of a good idea you just got to get some clothing on it right you're almost you're, you're one step closer you're one step closer. So I was okay with it. Um, and thanks to Wonder Woman, I was still, you know, still riding high. And then we got Aquaman, which was phenomenal. So I was like, yeah, see, like their, their main thing, right? The whole Snyder Justice League sequence, like they're getting there slowly, but they're getting there. But in the meantime, we have all these kick-ass solo films, right? They'll keep us sustained while they figure out what the heck they're doing with their group movies, right? They'll get there. And I was pretty content, honestly. Um, and then we just didn't get anything because people yelled, right? And didn't like it and they backed out. But we did get Birds of Prey, which is also phenomenal. Yeah. And again, it sort of did for Batman v Superman what Wonder Woman did for Suicide Squad, what Wonder Woman did for Batman v Superman, right? Of the like, see, there was good here that you were able to pull out pretty easily. You just... Just take a step back, take a breath. You can, this is good stuff, right? 
And I kind of, I'm with Joel though. I thought the Snyder cut was a bad idea from the start. I just, I did. I, it's been and continues to be a truth of filmmaking that the only people who know what the final version of something looks like are the people in the room when the editing stops. And that's it. Not the actors, as counterintuitive as that may seem. And that's not unique to green screen. That's something that's been true for a long time. You know, not the actors, not the camera people, not even the director if they don't take an active hand in the editing process, right? Nobody. So all the stuff we were getting from, from cast and crew and especially from the internet about how the Snyder Cut's basically done and it's so much better. It's like, you don't know that. There's no way you can possibly know that. You know, so I was sort of annoyed. I we talked what Joel said about like I was also annoyed that if the Snyder Cut is good, it's going to justify bullying movie studios for the rest of eternity. If the Snyder Cut is bad, they're just going to again assume that there was something behind the scenes that went on. Someone meddled, right? Or they'll blame Zack blame Zack Snyder, who I I want to see more of his work. I don't want him to, you know. It was like there's no there's no good outcome here, right? Um. So I was, yeah, I was sort of annoyed with its existence the whole time. I had seen everything except 1984, right? And I, that said, I was still excited. I was still excited because Studio Cut and, and Suicide Squad, kind of both in combination, pushed everyone away from what we're now calling the Snyderverse. And even though we'd got Aquaman and we got Wonder Woman and we were still getting 1984, everything else was in doubt. And like I said, I had faith. It's like, we're getting there. I want to see what happens when we get there. I don't want you to get cold feet and bail out. So... That was my optimism, right, for the Snyder Cut, was that it might bring us back onto that path. Uh, and then I watched it, and I thought it would either be better or worse. I did not think it would be almost the same, but longer. And that's kind of what it was. It, it is better. It is better, of course. It's, you know, it's smoother, and there's more detail. But almost all the credit it gets for being better, it loses for being four hours long. And kind of also for having terrible pacing. Yeah, I just, I, I was struggling not to be bored sometimes because so much of it was just the same or the exact same end result, just a different take. You know, I, and I, maybe that's just not, that's on me for not knowing what I was getting into, right? But like I said, I was expecting a different movie, not the same movie elongated. And then one of the things that worked about Batman v Superman was the Wonder Woman tease. We got this character who admittedly we knew as Wonder Woman, right? But who was new to Batman and to Superman, who was being enticed to interact with this broader universe by a imminent crisis. And we got some of her powers and a little bit of her and then nothing else. And they left it for the solo film. And that was great because they were able to use what we'd seen in the previous film to help us sympathize more with the character as we saw their their base characterization so i i thought that was gonna be work really well for the flash and for cyborg and it worked really well for aquaman i thought after the studio cut that we had this reluctant guy who saves random ass sailors on the coast but otherwise seems to have a really frosty relationship with actual atlantis and then full movie right i thought that worked so all, there was so much in this movie that I thought just should have been saved for the solo films. So much. Like we got the whole first two acts of solo films crammed into this and it made it four hours long. And so all the, the back and forth that they had, supposedly Snyder and the studio had over runtime, I was just like, 
I think I'm actually with the studio on this because this is really getting bogged down and this stuff would have been better to put in the solo film. So I do think it's good. I'm glad we got to see it. I don't know if I'll bother watching it again just because it's so damn long, honestly. And because the other film does essentially the same thing in a much shorter time. Yeah, I, I think the brevity of the studio cut might be its best quality, honestly. Well, yeah, I mean, to I, be fair, I, that's, yeah, you know, some of the, the reshoot scenes are great and some of them are awkward. And, you know, brevity helps, but... Yeah, I think, it's, and I, I don't know how structured we want to go. And I, I do not want to spend this whole time shitting on the studio cut. I, I've had my episode to do that on well, a different you podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> the cut's good. <laughs> no. I'm, I think a lot about what, and it, it's impossible to, to judge this and film in a void, right? I feel like my, as I was watching, is like, is this good or is it just better? Does this stand on its own merit? Also, should it exist? And but as I was watching, I was enjoying it. I totally agree that Cyborg should just have his own fucking movie. Like, I'm so glad that we got this origin for him because that was such an egregious um, loss of the previous one is we got very little. Like, Cyborg was essentially a MacGuffin. And yeah. <sighs> They didn't quite stick the landing with like why his defense system would like attacked Superman. There's no reason for that. There's nothing to justify in either cut. Honestly, well, in, in in the the studio cut, to be fair, it, it it's a mother box thing. The mother box is saying, "Hey, do this," where it it's not. Yeah, but afterwards, his defense system that shot was unchanged. Right, and I wrote that down in my notes. I was like, "You had every chance here." to work on the mother box origin. I, that's something else. I was shocked at how much, like I said, how much it was the same just in general. Yeah. I was shocked at how many scenes I saw that were totally unchanged from the studio cut. I, I had been sort of, I guess I'll say I had been led to believe right by the internet that this had been a, a, a real hack job, right? That almost nothing original was kept. What was kept was, was edited in post, you know, and it was all mashed together with a crap ton of reshoots, but it really wasn't. You know, half the reshoots they did were just an exposition scene that took an hour of the Snyder Cut and crammed it into one scene. And it's it's bad. It's really uncomfortable and doesn't work. Yeah. But I, I you have know to, another. I think a main difference is tonal. I think the Snyder Cut is a consistent tone, and obviously that is a result of a Whedon influence and also reshoots and all of these things. I, I have to disagree though on pacing, Scott. I think that the, the studio cut is egregiously paced and the whole, I, I think of the Amazonian sequence. No, I want to be clear. Neither of them is paced well. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I, and I, I that's another, <laughs> well, and that's the thing, like I don't have a problem sitting in, and that's the thing I had to check to see if it was four hours exactly. And that's why I put up that banner on Facebook where it's the first fucking frame is this is the aspect ratio fucking deal with it. Cause that's what Zach wanted. And we're giving Zach everything he wants. So for... <laughs> is, is that because of like, cause I know that sometimes like the IMAX theaters are like taller. Is that why he did the four? Do we know why that's he did four by three? I have yeah. no idea. That's, that's what, what I've heard, heard too I, was I, IMAX. I yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, like, that's cool. Like I like IMAX and everything too, but it's like, 
I feel like the amount of people, the amount of films we see in IMAX versus like regular theaters, it's kind of like, you know, and, and also not filmed on IMAX cameras, even originally. Like that was oh. never in the plan. Oh, so. <laughs> great. I wonder what the, because the final price tag is somewhere in the 383 million, all reshoots, all told, all marketing. That's kind of the ballpark we are in. To film it in IMAX also, <laughs> or instead of, I, 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 I shuddered to think what the final price tag of this movie would have been. And it, it's, I, I'm also, I fundamentally believe that this is not what Snyder's version of this would have been originally. I, mm-hmm. I think he has the benefit of hindsight right. and listening to three years, four years of fanboy whining I didn't like this. I didn't like this. I didn't like this. And he just did. Okay, well, let's fix all those things. And, and also I have some footage, but like if you, somebody gives you $70 million for reshoots, that's not, and that's the thing. I think the other thing is this is not a director's cut. In my opinion, I don't think it, it qualifies. It can't because this amount of reshooting, um, I think of a director's cut and this might be a flawed way of thinking of it is you have stuff got cut on the and left on the cutting room floor because of censure or um, the studio influence and you, but it's all shot and you're reassembling it to make it closer to what your original vision was. And that is the biggest frustration with it. And I I think the, the relatively good um, again, like this is going to impact how films are made from now on. And I don't think that this is the right track it's just we'd had a justice league director's cut it would have been the studio cut but like two hours 50 right like it wouldn't have been this behemoth right but it also wouldn't have been the smushed two hour what is it it two hours the really super smushed i think it's like exactly two yeah yeah and that's i mean studio's decision there is a whole story i want to talk about later but uh, yeah, I agree with you, Joel, about the director's cut is sort of the same with the already finished things added, not whatever this is going to come to be known as. And I think, I mean, we've all seen kind of the memes and the jokes about like, well, if you had just sped up all the slow-mo sequences, this might have been a little more brisk a watch. Two hours um, exactly, by the way. For gotcha. the studio See, cut. like, and so I, I'm... <sighs> We've been rewatching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and that is a show that understands good usage of slow-mo. <laughs> like, it doesn't need to be... the. It, I, it always feels self-indulgent when I'm seeing it in these films. It, it, it's not used effectively. And I think that that's, that's really kind of puts a damper on it. It's like, do we need to see every frame of it? It, it, it is... It, and I think that's another... It's consistency, right? And obviously, like, one per like a director's vision not being chopped up like has more consistent everything but i think in terms of pacing the it's more consistent in this and and it again it is a slog it is long i enjoyed it because it was just like well oh i i now understand the 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 origin of the mother boxes better i don't just have to connect the dots behind the scenes i in yeah i need to stop talking <laughs> zeke you talk now <laughs> <laughs> no i agree with um a lot of what you said i think one thing i definitely came out of this one was thinking like i I'd just be very curious to see you know what the original production would look like and then what uh, a, a Zack snyder production in a vacuum 
would look like. And then what, I don't know, because I feel like there is some middle ground there. Right. And I, I had the same thought that, um, like you said, he had the benefit of being able to hear what the public wanted and go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And I don't know with the timing, I was actually going to ask you all, um, how you approached it, right? Did you all go just the full four hours all in one sitting or did that you was split it up straight through? I had to split it up. My phone is ancient and dying. <laughs> Literally. I'm, I'm starting to have apps that just come and go and work sometimes and don't like it's really as of about a week ago, it's pretty severe. So I, mm-hmm. I was taking notes on my phone and it died. So I had to stop. I like, I reached exactly the halfway point, the first three chapters at like 3% battery and just went, all right, I guess I'm stopping. So I did have to do it in two, two equal parts. Scott, when you first told me that over messenger, I thought you were watching it on your phone. <laughs> oh no, no that's the aspect ratio. <laughs> I did think about, you know, I have a laptop. I could have kept going with laptop or pen or whatever, but mm-hmm. like it annoys me so much to have my notes in two different places that I just like refused. <laughs> what about you, Tim? Yeah, I, I watched it straight through. I mean, the, the, Man of Steel, like the first three films I watched in parts because it was just kind of like I'd watch an hour or two here and there when I could catch it um, because I had seen them before. But for this, I did want to be able to see like the the, the flow of it and actually see it as a movie. Um, but that's, you know, that's that's one of the things I think I've been thinking about with it. And, you know, I mean, after having watched it in one sitting and how I said I'll probably never watch it in one sitting, like it's almost like it, it, it should have been like a, a TV show you know, like, like four to eight episodes, you know, like, I feel like there were, yeah, I mean, it was split into parts, you know, like make each one of those an episode and release it that way. Like, why does it have to be a film? You know, I feel like that's something we're seeing now is the, the production value of TV shows are going up, you know, and, 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 you know, you get that almost cinematic quality in the TV show. And it's like, uh, especially nowadays, because it's like, we're, I mean, I guess, yeah, if you, if it, you know, did have it from HBO, speaking of which, right. Well, maybe that's the thing. It's, it's not TV. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I could see it having like this, this game of Thrones level kind of thing where it's like, okay, we're going to do the justice league series and it's going to look and feel like a film, but it's broken into parts, you know, but but you don't have to wait years for part two, you know, it's like, we're going to get it in episodes, you know? Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's, you know, and, and you have the advantage of like, okay, if we release it in theaters, then we get the people go, which I feel like during the pandemic is also kind of like, well, how many people are seeing it in theaters? Are you really getting the money back that you, you wanted by seeing it in theaters? Um, but, but yeah, and I, 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 you know, I, I, I just think that that's kind of the thing sometimes is like, are you trying to put a, you know, square peg in a round hole? Are you trying to make this thing a film when it should have been a TV show, you know? And, and yes, there are no rules that say you can't have a film that's four hours, but like, holy fuck, like, you know, I, I can't imagine seeing that in the theaters for four, four hours, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I hate having to miss a movie because I got to get up to take a piss, you know, it's like, I would probably not see it in theaters. Cause it's like, well, at least at home I could pause it, you know, like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bothered to go see it in the theaters because that's too long. Like I'm going to be too antsy, you know? Um, and that's just me, but, um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think if I watch it again, I'm going to approach it. Yeah. Like it's a, a series that I'm binge watching where it's like, okay, enough. I'm going to stop after this episode and go to bed. And I feel like the way, you know, speaking of pacing, I feel like it's almost like 
it, yeah, it should have been a TV show. Like here, we're going to tell this little origin story. Okay. End of that episode. Now we're going to come in. Oh, now we're going to see a little bit of Lois and, and some other little things. Okay. End of episode. Come back. Okay. Now we're, we're doing, okay. Mother box one, that story of how mother box one was still, okay. That's the end of that episode. You know, I feel like that, that would have worked, you know, and it could have been, you know, yeah. Like if this was released as a, you know, a, a four or five part or six part, however many parts there were in it, you know, series, Oh, cool. Let's binge watch that series. Cool. Okay. But you know, I feel like there's this, this status to having a film and it has to be a film. It's like, let it be what it needs to be. It's, it's, it's the series in six parts or whatever, you know, that's part of why I asked is because I had those um, thoughts. So I, I watched it in same thing as Scott, just two, two hour parts, um, kind of just how it worked out for me. Um, but I did see a guide online that was saying, they had a, a, a recommended way to break it up, which was, I don't know. It wasn't very, it was like watch part one and then two and three and then four and then five and then six. Um, so that's a little, I don't know, but I had the same sort of thoughts, right? Like I think it, to me, I enjoyed it better in the package that it was right. Just this longer broken up into six parts, whatever it is. Right. And it could have been Tim, like you said, it could have been, a TV series. I think it worked really well that way. And I was having the same sort of thing, right? So if Zack Snyder came out with this cut and said, it's four hours long, we're going to put it in theaters, right? What would the reaction to it be as a four hour movie in theaters? You know, if you would have said, Hey, here's a four hour movie, but you're going to get justice league part one, and then you're going to wait two years and then you're going to get justice league part two. Like that doesn't quite work either. Um, do you, try to trim down and get somewhere in between the two cuts. That's like three hours for theaters. Um, I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of different ways, but I think all that being said, I think to me, this was the way that worked the best, right? Like four hours on a streaming service, break it up if you want to watch it in one go, if you want to, um, you know, I think you all made some good points about like, I, I do think there should have been a cyborg um, movie and, and a flash movie and standalone things like that to help build up. But then that gets into some questions about, how do you pace the universe itself, right? When should those movies have come out in relation to Justice League the first time? Um, I don't know. And I, I don't want to compare it to, to the MCU and how that introduced characters and paced movies because I think they did it in different ways. But um, I don't know. I think with where the Justice League came out, with where this cut came out to kind of retrofit or rework some things, I just think that this final product giving more character, giving other characters more screen time, introducing new characters. Um, sure, we'll get into it, but love seeing Ma Martian Manhunter here. Mm -hmm. That was pretty amazing. Um, so I don't know. I think this, to me, because of the pacing and because of the time and streaming service, all kind of packaged together to make it work really well. I, I always hate breaking up movies, mm -hmm. even though sometimes they are broken up by me falling the fuck asleep. But I always, I always feel like that's a defeat. I'm like, oh man, I let the movie down. Cause now like it, it just, the, the arc and the ups and the downs and the like crescendo of, of the, 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 the structure is kind of d diminished and not to say like, this is obviously divided up. Um, I was also just like, it was such a weird experience Thursday night to have it available. And I, I don't know. Like I, I hoped again, I was excited. Right. 
And as I was like writing notes and stuff, like getting it, it was like, what if this is good? Like that hadn't entered my mind. And for some reason, just like the electricity of this, again, it's a, it's a cultural moment, which might be overblowing it, but it's at least a, a zeitgeist moment, right? Like this kind of culmination of this, this huge buildup and to have it available. I was like, I, I don't know if I can wait, even if it is a slog, right? Like I had to, I had to have all of it in the hard drive as soon as I could. And I think that's a lot of what informed my sitting through it. Th those two factors. Like I hate breaking up movies because I feel like I let them down. And also I just had this excitement that I hadn't had in a while for one of these, you know, like it, it, at the very least it did that for me. It gave me like little nerd happiness and excitement again. Um, I don't know if we've exhausted, but like the, the idea of what is this, if it's not a director's cut, or do you think it's a director's cut? How do we all feel about that distinction? I, I mentioned before that I agreed with Tim that uh, with you that the director's cut is, you know, the longer pre-existing version of the the original, and I think that's part of why I was am still frustrated with the Snyder cut because one of the things Snyder himself said was that the Snyder cut was basically done, exactly sitting around in Warner Brothers that's, somewhere. Yeah. So then when like HBO bullshit. came along and when said, he hey, said it, want, I was, yeah. Yeah, when he said, and he said, hey, we want to put out your Snyder Cut. And he said, oh, well, if you're giving me the money, <laughs> like, let me just make a new movie, right? That, like, that feels like a betrayal of sorts, right? It's like, this isn't what you, you promised us. And then on top of that, when, when Seek and Tim mentioned that it's four hours, but they're definitely calling it a movie and not a miniseries or something. At that point, I'm like, I'm wanting every shot to justify its existence to me, right? Because if it were the real Snyder Cut, shall we say, release the real Snyder Cut. Um, <laughs> don't, don't start that shit. No, you know, I'm deleting that. <laughs> the film wouldn't have been this long, right? It would have been more tolerable, right? More, more palatable. You know, so instead, that extra stuff that you added, that to be fair, time has passed, things have changed, new ideas have come, right? Like that had to be important enough to be worth you know, going back on your word, right? Not doing what you said you were going to do, right? And so everything that came up that I said, this would be better off in a solo film, right? Or, or et cetera, just every moment that that happened, and there were a lot of those moments, I brought up the film and I was like, how much more of this is there? And every time there was a lot more. So <laughs> there's always a lot. There's more. So I really don't know what to call it because it's also, not like, I'm it's, sorry. It's but... almost a reboot. Sorry, to answer your actual question. It's a half reboot, but not, <laughs> right? And I really don't have a term. <laughs> it's an Elseworlds story. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, so there's, yeah, there's my actual answer. Please, Joel. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, we need to talk about the epilogue just as a thing, but also as, like, this huge fucking... It's very long in the tooth is kind of how I felt about the it. The epilogue's so... the perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> But I was going to say, speaking of the epilogue, I think that's one that's one of the things for me that that disqualifies it, uh, I guess, as a director's cut, right? Because Joker in the epilogue, the studio wanted that, right? Didn't Zach say he, did, he wasn't planning on including the Joker? And then the studio approached him and said, okay, well, here's more money and we're going to reshoot the Joker and put him in. Like, so I don't think it's quite a director's cut because there are still things from the studio that were included or added in after the fact into this new cut. So it's, I think it's just still somewhere in between. I, I don't think it's probably a true director's cut for the reasons you all said. And because like there's still 
more studio influence and studio add-ons to it too. Maybe that's why they were calling it the Snyder cut and not the director's cut, you know, cause it's mm. like, well, you know, like they just needed a snappy name for it. Right. Yeah. Or just to kind of make it so that it's not, yeah. Like it's not technically what a director's cut is on other mm-hmm. films. It's like, Oh no, you're, you're remaking this movie, you know, all on your own. And it's, it's, it's its own thing, you know? Um, I also feel like Zach never has a movie that doesn't have some extra cut thing. Like fucking Dawn of the Dead. Higher special like, article about that, about all of his director's cuts. And it's just like, I think the only thing that doesn't have one might be 300. And 300 is probably Zack Snyder at his absolute best, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's <laughs> gritty, it's masculine, it's sci-fi, it's got slow-mo, it's just very, oorah, right? Like that's that whole, it's young, dumb, and full of cum is what that movie is. And it, 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 it's, it's a perfect example of that. And I love his version of Watchmen. Like, that's pretty, people don't like that. And they're like, oh, the guy who did not adapt a, a hugely iconic comic book to a movie that was liked by the fans. Oh, let's give him Superman. And then, bat- like, just from the jump, I was just like, he, he, he enters into See, these universes. Watchmen was a hit. Just not with the comics yes, fans. I, absolutely. I, 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 and I a agree. huge part of Marvel's market share right now is non comics fans. Yeah. So I wonder if someone, someone, no, there's, prob- didn't there's sit definitely down and like the numbers, right? And go, yeah. yeah, that's worth the risk. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, wh- what he has like worked on, and I think of like him taking Dawn of the Dead, one of the, if not the most iconic zombie movie of all time, and, and, missing the mark with it not really doing it it's kind of soulless which is kind of ironic with zombie movies but like it doesn't have the commentary or or the balls that romero's work did and it's just like this is a guy who constantly has to go back and fix it like because that has a director's cut the uh batman versus superman has a cut that he went back to so it's like i think that was another thing is like you've established a pattern of disrespect <laughs> and inappropriate behavior. No, uh, no office fans in the group. <laughs> um, uh, my friend Disray. No, but like he's established this pattern of like never finishing it and having to go back and fix things. And and that was also like I sometimes you just lay an egg, man. Like sometimes it doesn't come out. And it I I I don't know if it's just me being fuddy duddy and and old fashioned in my thinking of like okay this is the w- the new way that you tell creators and studios what you want is to bully them on Twitter. I don't think that's okay. I don't like it. Also fuck studios cuz they have way too much money and they have no they're not motivated to do diverse stories or or do anything. Like and that's the other thing. We put you put another 70 million into this movie that has there was little to no presence of the only person of color really on screen in the first one. We got no cyborg story. He's a huge part of the original in quotation marks. He should just have his own fucking movie. Let's take 70 million and make an indie cyborg film. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's also, and we've already heard the, the air cut, right? Suicide squad. He started whining and it's, it's, it's this pattern of, well, you gave it to him and now I want my thing fixed. And I think that's just going to be in the conversation for a long time. It's like, the only thing I can see why that would maybe help. Um, Cause I know before, when we talked about this, Joel, you were saying like, you know, to sort of, when you're making the film originally stick up for what you want. 
Right. But it's like, you know, essentially the studio is your boss. If you're the director, like you, you know, there's Always only, an exercise in compromise. Yeah. yeah. Like there's only a certain amount of power you have as the director, but now if they can kind of dangle this and be like, let me make the cut I want the first time, or I'll get all my fans rallying, you know, against you on Twitter to be like, Hey, you fucking studio. Like, what the fuck do you know about like, you know, like storytelling and whatever, you just have the money, like shut the fuck up and give the money to the creative person who knows how to make a film and let them make the film, you know? So I feel like if, if that's a threat that can hang over their head to be like, let's make this movie once right the first time and we won't have to remake it, then maybe we can get the version made the first time and not have the, the studio just kind of dangling the money and be like, you know, um, you know, like, like, uh, you know, luckily we didn't have the version of super uh, fucking um, the, the, the one that Kevin Smith was going to make where the studio was like, you have to have a giant spider you can fly, you can only run fast, you know, like wild, wild west. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like the, the, was it, was it John Peters? Was that the producer? Cause I know he was like the, producer right. of a lot of the Batman films. So the flip side of that is that there are also directors though, who are just as insane as the studios are sometimes. Right. And when they need the money, you know, I, that's sort of been been the the double headed beast of this of the industry for a long time. That the studios have the funds to make these films, but the directors have the vision, but not necessarily the funds. And you sometimes get certain directors trusted enough to kind of do whatever they want. Maybe Tarantino comes to mind. You know, he have to imagine the elevator pitches for some of his films were bizarre. But then there's they just no elevator went, piss. He just gives them the fucking script because he's written it all already. Yeah, right. He just walks in and has a script in hand, and they just throw money at him, right? And, well, and it works. That's part of it because he already has. Like, look, this is what I want to do. Not let me give you an elevator pitch, and then trust me to fill in the other almost four hours. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. like maybe it's going to make the, so the directors have to be more prepared. It's like, look, if you want to have this be your artistic vision, you need to let me know what that is now not like figure it out as you're doing it you know and i also feel like there's this huge i mean it, i hate talking about these films in relation to marvel because there's no other analog and i don't think it's fair to either side they're doing it but it's it always seems as a reaction to there was huge reshoots and a huge idea within at least that's what we heard at the time and we've heard afterwards that warner brothers got a really tight asshole after guardians of the galaxy came out and BVS didn't do so hot. And they're like, well, okay, let's let's change our tone. And I think it's a lot of reactionary. Th- it's like following the money. I don't know why you just don't stay well, the course another, with an idea. It's another double-edged sword. Because for every film that was ruined by studio meddling, there are films that were saved by the studio reining somebody in. No, absolutely. But I'm saying, like, by and large with Warner Brothers, it has been a lot of reactionary stuff. Yes, it's, it's right. And I, yes. I don't think that's I'm not playing catch for, up with Marvel. Right. right. And I'm not saying that studio influence is always bad. I think the friction between creative and money makes a lot of cool fires. But like consistently what Warner Brothers seems to have done is like this is the way Disney's doing it. This is the way Marvel is doing it. We have to do a different direction no matter what it is. And I like it, it, it's let's do a trilogy into the justice league rather than this whole buildup. That was an idea. It was, it was interesting, but it, it, it just, it's gotten muddled. It seems very reactionary based on what's come up and the kind of shifts that we've heard anecdotally from 
the creators as they're making them. And it, it, it's, I don't want to, you can't discuss these films in a vacuum, but I want them to stand on their own merit. And I think that's the thing is like, if, if it didn't feel so, so blatantly a reaction, like, I, I think that's kind of the frustration I have, especially with Warner Brothers. It's just like, have an opinion. Like, it's, it's Dwight and, and Michael. Just have an original thought. Don't, don't ape what somebody else is doing or respond in any direction other than that. What Like, just trust the creators. And I, this might be just bleeding heart creative. It's like, you hired somebody with a specific vision. That's what got you excited. And, and also what you thought could make money. So like have a consistent consistency, I guess, is the thing that I'm wanting the most. Again, I'm talking way too much. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. And I, in, in your, given what you said about doing something different from Disney, right? What I loved, like I said, was Wonder Woman shows up in Batman v Superman, but not much. Right. We get almost no characterization and it works great because we finished that movie with this cool new character. Right. And then we get to see her solo film, right? And if Justice League had done that with Cyborg and Flash, so not what the studio cut did, you know, right. The cyborg, right. A little, give him, give him a few more. Right. Um, but also not what the Snyder cut did by making half the movie about him. Right. If they had done that instead, cyborg flash and Aquaman, and then given us Aquaman for the other two, it would have been great because Aquaman takes place after justice league. And they talk about that, right. There's this Aquaman himself in this kind of weird place where he doesn't really want to go back and face what he has to in Atlantis but he's now stepped up onto the global stage and fought Steppenwolf. Queen Mara mentions that in the start of the film. Like, you can't run away from your destiny. Like, you're a hero. You, you know, fought the intergalactic douchebag, right? Like, come on. And that, that would have been great, especially if we could have placed that in the context of these characters not really knowing whether the League was going to be a one-time thing or a regular thing. And now they're kind of in the aftermath of that cool, possibly one-time team-up and they have to go sort out their personal shit. Great. That would have been a really neat inversion, right? To do proverbially do the Avengers first, right? And do the solo movies second. And it yeah. could have worked if they'd been more aggressive about pursuing that from the start. And I think you, you there's a cyborg movie inside of the Snyder Cut. It's there. It's every beat of it is there. All of the the gravity and I like. You want I was the so cut of the cyborg movie is what you're saying. You want him to no. take all that footage and recut it and make. It... <laughs> I don't want Snyder to cut any more. I don't want a cyborg movie. <laughs> I want to take away the scissors from Snyder. No more cuts <laughs> from him. I I just like. I think it's a huge disservice to that character who ends up like I didn't care less about that character before watching the Snyder cut. And when I watched the studio cut, I was like, that's intriguing. That would be a really cool story to follow, but there's not enough in it for, for anything. So I, I like, it would have been cool if like that was the prelude, like you did Scott Cyborg into just like you see that and it, it sets up the mother boxes as a thing. And, but I, that's how you save time is like, you don't, I, I'm, uh, it, it's such a weird fucking. We seem to be reaching the consensus that there's a middle ground movie somewhere. <laughs> but i don't Where, want it to exist i'm just leave it alone oh no i mean i don't I, we don't need no cut, right but that, that's what would have been ideal that the studio cut is too short too choppy removed way too much did you know screwed his characters over right but that the snyder cut then gave us half their personal films in 
what was otherwise a perfectly serviceable two and a half hour film, like, <laughs> and made us sit through it, you know, and then I, I, the epilogue is the perfect example of, yeah, let's talk about the epilogue. The epilogue is there and it's cool, but it was mostly just like six teasers stitched together. Like of what should have been trailers for later films <laughs> tacked on to the end of this four hour thing. Like that was my whole, Oh man. I felt that impact that's what I was saying earlier was I felt that impact throughout the entire film. I have in, in, in lots of my notes, I have seen was unnecessary scene was unnecessary because they, man, it would have been better served in later films and solo films, et cetera. And the epilogue is the perfect symbol of that. One thing I liked about the epilogue is I, I did like how he fixed the, the dialogue from the, the Lex Luthor and, and uh, Deadshot. Um, not Deadshot. Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Yeah. Um, Slade Wilson. We should have a league of our own. I was like, "Are you fucking Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell? Like, what the fuck are you doing?" Like, who the t- Injustice League <laughs> slash Injustice Game slash um, Injustice Society. I don't know. They go by a bunch of different names. Who cares? Yeah, but but you know, I, I thought that was kind of great, and that was a nice twist too. Like, oh shit! Like he just you know gave him Batman. Like, okay, that 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 got me intrigued more so than just like, okay, yeah, you're gonna start a, a bad bad guy. Group. Ooh, yeah. And that fit with the, sorry, I, I just, that, I really liked that interpretation of Luther as this younger, more aggressive. The thing I liked from Batman v Superman was that Luther's whole purpose was to pit the two of them together, right? Like he always has his own ends. And what he said about the performing his own league with Deathstroke worked way better too, because that falls in with classic Luther's use of the Justice League as a buffer against galactic threats, like to protect him while he uses his own groups to undermine the Justice League and get what he wants anyway. Like, sorry, I just, that was another really great way of meshing old Luther methodology into the new character you created that, again, makes me sad we're not going to get more Eisenberg. I'm sorry, I'm done. I I always love a League of Their Own reference. I will never complain about it. But it's also, it's the Legion of Doom. It's not another League. And it's also like, his name is Bruce Wayne. It's like, didn't we just see that in uh, Spider-Man yeah. Far From Home? Like, like again, like, how much are we responding to Spider-Man or, or Marvel? I, I, mm. I, I'm just slowly collapsing over here. I'm sorry, boys. I, Speaking of which, I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you brought it up, <laughs> uh, one, of, one of my favorite scenes that, that I thought was a nice, I'll call it a parallel. I won't call it a reference or was um, when they were showing the age of heroes and we had, when they were taking on uh, um, dark side and we had, um, you should have went for the head. Hit him. Yeah. Hit him in the shoulder with an ax. And I was like, where have I seen this before? <laughs> I, that, what Jill said, though, about trying not to get upset, Darkseid really just forgot what the planet of his yeah. greatest defeat yeah. was. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that was another thing I wanted to bring up. Like, oh, it's here on Earth. Like, like even if it had been a regular planet, not the anti-life planet, right, he would have been upset and he would have been coming back with a bigger army. A. B, when it's the planet with the anti-life equation, like, you're kidding me, right? Did he wake up delirious from blood loss back on Apocalypse and his lieutenants were just like, Oh no, man! I don't know. I didn't write the name down. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that the stretch that, is that couldn't like, get over that. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I see what I agreed about the uh, axe in the shoulder motion and everything. <laughs> Zeke, what were your epithets? <laughs> I was also just thinking um, with flawed plans and stuff. I love with the mother boxes. It's like 
the Atlanteans like take it down <laughs> and give it to an octopus. And then, you know, you know, Amazon, like they, they have a big old thing. And then the earth, the men, they just dig like a three foot hole and throw some dirt on it. <laughs> like, that's probably fine. It wasn't even a deep hole. Like what the fuck are you doing? Another case of, Oh, that was not a reshoot. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they look so proud with their little, little, two foot hole like the, the camera shot up and they're like yeah we, we were hiding this mother box like come on now why was cranky such a feeble attempt get, <laughs> yeah gonna get our box taken too quick come on earth get it together it's also um, like there's also other human like the egyptians have like pyramids and shit like have it, somebody else hide it not these fucking vikings like right? i always imagined though and I'm just filling this in, that they went Captain Nemo on it, right? That, like, these ten soldiers buried this box, and then when they got back, they were slaughtered by the soldiers at the camp. And then when that camp returned to the town, they were slaughtered by the army, right? Like, in the in the sense, that's why the hole doesn't need to be too deep, because we're erasing its existence. Is that Nemo or Captain Flint from Treasure Island? <laughs> um, Nemo and his sub for 20,000 leagues. That's... I just discussed. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. if they prove if he did it or not. Gotcha. But like he killed everyone but one who knew. I got a lot. I got lost a lot with the classification of different species of fish in that book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, but like, I, I feel like I've been shitting on this a lot. But I want to talk about the stuff I liked for a moment. Okay. Can we Which talk is... about? Can we finish the epilogue real quick? Because oh, I don't no, think yeah, we've sorry, actually please. talked about the nightmare with a K future. <laughs> what Zeke? I was. What? What are your what? thoughts? Why? Yeah. Have, I, oh, go ahead, Tim. Well, no, I just wanted to, like, wh why is Batman getting premonitions? Like, I understand, like, Batman, Batman's paranoid, and that's why he has satellites, like, watching all the, the other superheroes, because he's like, at any minute, you can turn on me. But him having, like, actual premonitions, like him, like, back in the first, you know, in Batman vs. Superman, seeing the Omega symbol, like, how is he privy to that? Like, that, that's one of the things that kind of bugged me. Like, he's supposed to be a regular dude who's just ripped and jacked and smart. Not like oh. In another case of BVS having good bones, that dream is happens right before Barry shows up from the future to try to talk to him. Remember, and he's asking, right. "Am I too early?" And I, again, who knows what they would have done? But it would be really easy to explain this away with the the flashpoint type stuff of Barry messing with time and the different timelines coming together and certain characters having problems with their memory and their and their dreams, you know. Maybe they were going to do something like that, and that's why those two events are connected in BVS. Maybe not. But it's but, also uh, like, if that was the thing, have it be after the Flash shows up. So you actually get, like, he's come back through time, and now it's fucked it up, and Batman is kind of this oracle. I Yeah, I also didn't understand that. And see, that's the thing, too, is, like, I, I, I know that I don't know as much about DC as I do about Marvel, but I knew what the Omega, Omega symbol represented. Like, I knew about, like, you know, fl you know, Flash being able to go through time. And I was like, but still, what? You know, and, like, it, it was just kind of like, like, okay, like, how, how, many, how many pieces am I expected to put together here as opposed to just, like, the, this didn't work, you know, like, like either give us more or, 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 or do it differently. You know, like that, that was kind of where it left me. Whereas it was like, it'd be one thing if I was like, okay, I don't know what that thing is. This must be something from a story that I haven't read. But the fact that I recognized the pieces and was still like, but, but how do these pieces go together? You know? And it's like, mm -hmm. how, how, how much, 
you know, how much am I supposed to be writing the film for you in my own mind? You know, yeah. like that, that was kind of my problem with it. You know, like I, I, I liked the scenes a lot. They were, they were cool. Like the whole thing with Batman and, and Superman and pulling his mask off and, you know, like that was cool, but I was like that. Yeah, it was. And, and again, I liked that that kind of connected with, with Bruce's paranoia, you know, and kind of like, Oh, is this kind of leading to the brother eye where this is why he's going to be having the surveillance and all that stuff. But, but again, yeah, this was just, these were all just things I was just putting together in my own head, but it's like, but is, is that really there? Is that what you're trying to say? Mm-hmm. And for BVS, it's again, like good bones. Right. So yeah, that was confusing, but we've got a whole franchise coming, right? Sure. <laughs> But yeah, now we got the Snyder Cut. I just, the epilogue feels like the the curtain falls away. And the reveal <laughs> is that huge chunks of this film were actually just stuff Snyder thought was really cool and wanted to put on screen for you. Like the black costume. Yeah. That's something I would, that's a discussion I want to have about that too. Like, I mean, we don't have to do it now or we can do it. No, well, yeah, that's it. What were your thoughts again, about the costume? Zeke, what was your opinion <laughs> of the epilogue? I've been trying to throw it to Zeke for 45 <laughs> minutes, boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, yeah i don't know i liked it uh it was cool to see that group of characters together right and then you get the the dream sequence and it falls away so there was i don't know but i think what it did give up give us was um definitely intriguing enough to hook me into like this potential outcome or potential other universe right like just the idea of those that group traveling around um still don't like still don't like jared leto's joker like i just i i knew once we started doing the thing where we got to the end and then more things kept happening and Scott, like, I know that feeling too. When like, I'm watching a long movie, I'm like, just end. And then 10 more things happen. I'm like, why? But with this one, I enjoyed it. And then we got to that point. I'm like, cool. I'm going to have to see Eisenberg's Luther. Who I, I, I still don't like that either. So I didn't like that. I mean, I, but I like the dialogue, right. With him and Deathstroke. I uh, just don't like Eisenberg's Luther and then didn't like Leto's uh, Joker, but but to and I don't want to skip ahead to favorite scenes, but to hear Batman say and make no mistake, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> that was I lost my shit. That made my week. That is the best line in movie history. Like I, I, I love the epilogue for that. Like that was that was an incredible choice to put the f bomb there. Just well done. To I yeah that Snyder cut a plus for that. <laughs> I love that. What I'll say, like, this will be my final thing on the, the epilogue, is $70 million to hear Jared Leto say, I gave Batman a reach around. Who? Okay. In, 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 a, in a, uh, a thing that's all about editing and, and the best cut of something, why the fuck is that line in there? Who is that for? It's for Cider. It's for Snyder and for nobody else. Just fucking like edgy fucking Joker talking it's, about it's, reach it's arounds. Like the line in Birds of Prey when when uh, uh, Harley Quinn calls Joker a, a jizz nozzle. It's for that same person. Whoever thought that line was a good idea. You know, it's like what is this is like Joker and dicks. Like this is like this is this is how this works now. Just like Joker and dick jokes. Like yeah, I do want to at least say that I agree with you, Zeke. That that was a terrible use of Jared Leto. <laughs> And I, I mentioned again, Suicide Squad and BVS came out together, had good potential. Again, I think there's potential for Jared Leto as the Joker. The I parts don't. of him in Suicide Squad that worked reminded me of the Brian Azzarello Joker book, which is easily my favorite Joker story ever, right? I mean, it's phenomenal. And it's totally different from Heath Ledger. It's different from Killian Joke. It's a very particular thing. And 
the magic, I could just, I could see it. We were so close. I could taste it that Lido could do it. And, but again, right. Suicide Squad, second half of 2016, under the same star as BVS. So, okay, potential, whatever, we'll see. So I, I kind of kept going like, well, I understand if they'll drop Lido, Jared Lido, but I'd like to see him again, you know, with a little more freedom, you know, whatever, we'll see how that goes. So yeah, he was here and I was like, great, he'll be in the Snyder Cut, the thing that the angry people wanted and they'll hopefully be more patient with Jared Leto and we'll get to keep him around and he'll get a second chance. And then I saw it and went, this was a real waste of Jared Leto. <laughs> like whatever interpretations Joker Lee were going for, it was not one that he's compatible with in the same way that I wouldn't have wanted Heath Ledger in the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie or Joaquin Phoenix in the Dark Knight. You know, those are all, again, good actors, good performances, right? But just, I wouldn't, it wasn't a good match. This was not a good fit for Jared Leto. Yeah, I just felt like, it, I don't know, he tried the other thing with the slick back hair and the grill and the chain and no shirt and whatever. And that didn't work. And then he's trying this one. And this is a little bit like there was some tension there, right? And like he was doing a thing. I don't know if I like the thing that he was doing, but he was trying for something. It just, like you said, just didn't seem to nail it again. Um, a little more tense. And then Batman got to say he would fucking kill him and, and that made it worth it. But just don't, yeah, still don't think he's delivering on that. All right. Black suit Superman. Sorry, Tim. I, I just had to hear from Zeke finally. <laughs> and then yeah, Tim, tell us, tell us what you think about the black suit. Well, so as far as I can remember from, from death of Superman, like that sort of like the whole thing was like with his Kryptonian physiology, he didn't actually die. His body just like shut down so that he could, it could heal itself. And I think, wasn't it something like they say like, Oh yeah, my heart was beating like once every hour or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was like the suit that they buried him in as like this ceremony. But then I think it also had healing properties in it. And that, so when he emerges, like I, from what I remember, like that's what he's wearing and it's the back from the dead, like, boom, here I am. Um, my also vague memories tally with yours. Yeah. I think you're on so, the right track. So, so then to have the, it just be this arbitrary thing that he chose, but then also on top of that, as he's picking it, he's got both of his dads in his head <laughs> telling him he, he, being a beacon of hope and choosing this. And, and, and it's like, and then he turns away from the, no, like I want the black one. I'm going emo on this. And it's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> like I was there, I was excited <laughs> to see the black suit, but then it was just like, so wait, he just picked this as to be. And now it's like, you know, it's like, I almost wish that, that Batman would have done a joke like in um, um, Infinity War when Thor's like to Captain, oh, you have a beard like me. That he was like, oh, you're wearing black like me. Like, wait, what? Like, it, and it just, it, it, like I was ready for it, but I thought there was going to be a reason for it. And that that was going to be one of the things that's like recut, like that his whole death and resurrection was going to be closer to the comic books. And that's why he had the black suit and, but not just to be like, no, I'm going to choose this, you know, as part. So it was just kind of like, wait, well, okay. So he just did it. Cause he thought it looked cool. Like there's no reason behind it. There's no, there's no sort of like meat behind, you know, like why this found its way into it, you know? Um, and then, and then it was also really, you know, jarring to see that when he comes back in, in the epilogue, like now he's back to the blue, red and, ye and yellow, like what? So now you're, you're, you're working for dark side. And now is where you choose the cult. Like, 
like I, I mean it would have been cool to flip-flop those two to have the colors and then be like oh now that he's dark he's wearing the or, or i was almost like also expecting is he going to be wearing like the 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 kingdom come superman like nope it's his bright ass you know red and yellow s on the it's like okay what like like that just kind of no yeah no real like relevance to any of that just kind of like we're doing black because it's cool and and it also made me wonder because that was something back in the, the studio cut that when superman appears like his costume like looks funny and i was like i thought of that now like was that stuff filmed in the black costume and then they colored over it and that's why his costume like looks like cgi the whole time like that they have to artificially color it because when he shot that stuff he was wearing the black costume and i was like because the black one definitely looked more real, more tangible, but it was like, but, but yeah, but why? Why is he wearing the black? And and also the fact, I thought it was weird that on the ship, like I know that's where he got his costume originally, but like it had a hole in it and Lois had the cape in the thing, but there's another Superman costume waiting for him in the ship. Like, do they just have a bunch of those? Is that like... <laughs> it's like a vending machine. it reminds me of there's this like instagram comic where it's like um superman's talking to wonder woman and wonder woman's like looking at the cape and like why do you have a cape he's like well superheroes wear a cape he's like you have a cape because batman has a cape don't you (laughs) yeah i have a cape because i have because batman (laughs) it's like and i i feel like in in the whedon like attempt to be funny like that would be a joke right it's like right I see that you're 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 you've got the team jersey on now, right? Like now you're you now you're you're suited up. I'm always dressed. Um, I I really like having both dads um, model like advice as he's going to, especially since Pa can't kind of has some shitty ass advice for him in Man of Steel. He's not the best. He's also like, don't you go save the dog. I'll go save the dog and you can stay right there and watch me die in this tornado for no fucking reason. Um, where I, I really enjoyed that. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for like dad and son stuff. And like, especially Superman as an orphan is like, I, yeah, there were tears and stuff. And then I was just so excited to see the black costume, but yeah, it makes no sense. Like there's no, he walks past, like, here's a power suit. You could have like a badass like the, I the swear armor. one of those was Luther's power suit in the comics. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, remember yeah. in Man of Steel, like the Kryptonian warriors had like like actual yeah. armor. armor. And it seemed it was much more in that vein. It's like that would have been a cool and those were also like kind of slate gray and would have been a kind of cool, like you come in and we might see that with well, we won't because there's no Snyder verse after this, but like it would have been cool to see like dark side versus soups in that. But like, I, I was just so, and I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, seeing the black suit just gave me like tinglys. Like I was like, Oh shit. There's the black suit. There was no reason for it other than just like, I hadn't seen it in a movie <laughs> and it looked really good. <laughs> That's where I was at with it. I was like, that looks so cool, but yeah, no need for it. Very excited Them- to see thematically it. Yeah. Tim. I totally agree. Yeah. I, I liked the the um I liked the scene with the two dads talking to him that whole back and forth and I I liked it as an extension of the mountain scene from BVS mm. where he goes up to that high mountain and talks to the apparition of his father through mm. his memory because it's a really great distillation of him like finally sort of sifting through his father's advice from Man of Steel which was sometimes bad but sometimes good and it's a really great representation of Clark's 
the way he's matured and come into his own, but also can still look back and see his father as human and flawed, but also still a good example, right? That exchange was beautiful and heartfelt. And it's like, yeah, more Henry Cavill, please, you know. And so that fatherly scene here was great. It was a great callback to that. It was great to do both the fathers. It was great. But it felt, again, maybe because the black suit felt so arbitrary, I almost felt like that scene would have been better on the farm as part of him rebuilding his mind, you know? Because he's a machine of rage until he sees Lois and it gives him pause. And then with Lois, he flees back to home, which is the farm. And it would have been really neat to, instead of just having a couple scenes of Lois staring at him in corn, have him, you know, yeah, walk through and say, Martha's a proud woman, you know, have him walking through this place where he grew up, where he was formed under these multiple influences and touching and feeling and remembering and all coming together again, you know, and then, you know, zoom off to, I need a suit, right? And go back to the ship. So that, but I, that's a very minor complaint though, to be fair. It was still great even where it was. I just remember thinking as all you were about, oh, it's, he's gonna choose that one. Okay, why, why is that a particularly sentimental moment since he's never touched it before, right? And it made me think, oh, maybe they should have pushed that. I also, I kind of thought it would be cool to like bury him in his red, blue and yellow suit. And then like it decays or it turns like, like vision changing color. Like that, that would be the reason. It's just like it, 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 it's no longer. I don't know. Like, I think it's also something that to do is with a good like, idea. We have less of a Superman's powered by the sun kind of mythos in these films, where it's also like, okay, like his suit might have been a conduit for that, and like it's just not charged, so it, it, it turned black, it, black and deadened and kind of slate gray, and it just wasn't. But like, yeah, in terms of it's also like the symbolism of it is like the return of Superman should be triumphant, joyful and colorful. And I think, I I guess that's another thing is like this characterization of Superman has not been the classic interpretation of Superman. It's a very, like we don't have, this is not Chris Reeve Superman. I I think fundamentally, and I, I don't think it's, necessarily all bad because it's not that but it's also like it's a very different characterization of him and the black suit seems to more match his mood because he's a brooding batman-esque superman (laughs) like i had read something else too that um so in the uh studio cut when they're at the hall of justice checking it out batman and wonder woman she's in kind of more of a red and, and gold and blue um, suit and in this one she's in black kind of to signify like hey i'm partnering up with batman so um i don't know i feel like like when we started this little loop just kind of zach snyder zach snyder wanting things that look cool sort of tweak to the colors that being said like the overall colors um to the movie i felt like looked a lot better than the studio cut a little less orangey a little less yellowy just kind of thought it looked nicer throughout I think that's like thinking back to Batman versus Superman, as much as I didn't like that film, I never complained about the visuals except doomsday really. Cause doomsday mm. is just kind of generic power ranger villain looking. Um, but yeah, the cave troll from Lord of the Rings. Um, but I, I, there was always such a great scale to things. And I think a lot of that in the studio cut kind of got the CGI being poorly rendered, especially underwater was just egregious, hard to watch. 
So the thing, like I, I was really visually, and I mean, it has the Snyder filter on it, right? Like it, it, it's kind of like a muted, more grayish, but it, it's consistent again. And I think that's the thing where you put in kind of these cuts with these other lightings, it kind of feels more. Mm-hmm. They reshot the scene where Diana and Cyborg talk on the street. You know, yeah. in the studio cut, he's in his hoodie because they're short on time and they just need to get him out there, right? But in the Snyder cut, he flies and meets her. But just the street, the background, felt much more alive and real in the Snyder cut. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah, I wonder, were they just so short on time? They were like, this is the back lot corner we got. We've got it for two hours. Quick, get out there. You know, we'll polish it and post. Whoops, no post, right? Or, or not, I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't know if I really noticed that until you said something, actually. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sitting here thinking about it. So then I, I, I'd like to do favorite scenes um i'm this is not kind of in that category but it's also like i was really really mad at how lois and martha were portrayed in the studio cut it straight up fails the bechdel test they they, all of their character is totally defined by the absence of superman and that's all they talk about and it's weird that in the Snyder cut, they give them both less to do, Martha considerably, because she's Martha Ma- Martian Manhunter. Yeah, for, she's almost not in the film. Right? But with less, they they kind of, it fixed it for me. Because Lois is a very strongly characterized character, like in the comics, in the portrayals. Uh, Margot Kidder, like, just really, like, had a really specific characterization of that character amy adams hasn't done all that much with it i don't know that they've given her a a whole lot to play with but i felt like the characterization of her in the studio cut was just egregious this is a very strong pulitzer prize winning author who's doing fucking puff pieces about dog shampoo or something like those are those are lines that she's given and when superman they're on the the um the farm She's like, I'm sorry I let you down after you died. And there's no real need for it. It makes no sense. It doesn't add anything. And it totally makes her a wet blanket. It's not about grieving. It's not about overcoming. It's not about dealing with a possible pregnancy. You've got Superman's kid and you're like, a lot of those things are defined by the absence of Superman. But like in the Snyder Cut, I felt like it was much more subtle and they did did her character they did better by her character without those lines that just was like how much can we say i miss superman i'm not complete without superman we don't we don't have any characterization without superman you make me wonder if they took an idea that was meant for the next superman movie and tried to cram it in the studio cut if maybe the discussion was supposed to be either between her and superman or her and martha of you know i was sad and i grieved etc but then when I looked back at myself grieving, I felt guilty for doing it like I was letting him down by not getting out there and yeah. being a positive influence. And then I felt, and it, you know, it could have locked her, it could have been a whole journey for that character. See, and I also understand with. seeing like, okay, there's not much for Lois to do in this and she needs to do something and not enough time and just throwing stuff in there. But it's just so poorly written and and just it really discredits that character and it's it's a shame because amy adams is incredible that character is incredible and i i think the the execution of of that character and also kind of it was interesting with martian certain 
certain points I'm kind of with the Martian Manhunter seems kind of very tacked on, but also kind of like this harbinger of things to come, which is kind of cool. It, it, it's an interesting to, dynamic to kind of give him Martha's voice too. It's it, just an interesting difference. I like how the way they wrote him into it's like, oh, he's been here since the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, like that it wasn't yeah. just like some random. It's like, oh, that's the dude from Man of Steel. Like, okay, cool. Like, you know, he's he's been. That there. was a brilliant connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I also wonder if that was kind of like a, a shout out too to like Supergirl because like they are like the Martian Manhunter is like the you know the head of the the, the DOD or whatever it is that you know that they're that working with you know um, so if it was kind of like you know like oh he's like this military guy who's posing as human you know but he's actually the Martian and you know that's how he kind of you know can kind of help protect the Earth because he's involved with the military and like you know um, so I kind of like that because again I've been watching the CW stuff. Actually, so speaking of the Lois Lane thing, like one of the things I wanted to bring up too that, um, I, yeah, I feel like it, I have very complicated complicated feelings about this because I do like how in the Snyder Cut, you know, the idea that she hadn't been back to work, that like the, the depression kind of hit her that hard. And, and, and I mean, I, you know, and I, I get what you're saying, Joel, about like kind of not having her defined by like Superman, but it's like, you know, it's also, I feel like, you know, someone you love dying is different from like a breakup, you know, or if they, if they had broken up and she was like that distraught, it's like, Hey, get your shit together. But like, like I can see how, you know, that, um, you know, I thought it was an interesting thing, like route to go down where it's like, Oh yeah, she just hasn't been back to work. Like she can't, you know, I remember that from the, the studio cut, like seeing her going back to the planet and seeing his desk there and kind of being confronted with that. So I thought it was interesting that they took it in the direction where she's just like that, that depressed, that down that she can't even go back to work. However, that led to a different version of a scene, which, which I didn't like as much where, where, she happens to be in the park at the monument yeah. when Clark comes back. Like, I love the fact that, that Batman was talking about the big guns the whole time right. and it was Lois. Yeah. Like, how yeah. fucking cool is that? So, like, so wait, this version of Batman didn't think of that? Like, like what the fuck? In what universe does Batman not think of that? You know, does Batman not tell Lois, like, hey, we're bringing Clark back, but we may need your help. You know, like, it's going to be dangerous, but we're going to keep you on the sidelines. Like, the fact that that just wasn't on his radar. Like, like I feel like that little difference just just you know it, it has all these implications that are just like oh man like it, you know and I, and I you know again i feel like it goes a little bit beyond just like my personal preference it's like how you're writing these characters like like this yeah this version of batman doesn't get lois in on this because it's like okay i've thought this through like we are not gonna be able to stop him physically we need something else it's like oh good thing lois happened to be there with her coffee like she does every day i mean maybe Plus, the Batman. first time we see her bring coffee to the cop isn't anywhere near that park yeah it's, so it's, it's even it though like a different he's like location. oh it's a regular thing does she like look up his patrol schedule for the month or something <laughs> <laughs> right that, she's that an investigative dirt journalist <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like a lot of those scenes are like to set up that she would be there right like and and that that's also a discredit to it it's like that early shot establishing that she visits the memorial that often that she, it, it makes sense for her to be there. But like, yeah. And it was also like, there's also kind of a throwaway expositional thing where Batman tells wonder woman about the visions that he's having and kind of like explains away the lowest thing. Mm. And it, that seemed kind of clunky in, in the Snyder cut that, that, yeah, Batman is all about he's building a utility belt, right? That's what the Justice League is. He's like, I need this defense for the thing I think is coming. So 
like don't discredit this vision <laughs> of of somebody who's quite clearly flashed with bad facial hair like um, you you gotta connect and i don't know if it's just like it's hard to characterize where batman's motivation is because i still don't know who this batman is i like i like his portrayal in this better because he's not fucking laughing at shit he's not making jokes about height of steppenwolf like and he's not listening to flash talk about fucking brunch for 45 minutes like um but like in this it was it was more like okay i can see he's preparing for this next thing and it's not as much in in the studio cut it was like yeah i gotta do this because i let superman down it's all about like letting superman like you you were at this dude's throat for the whole of the last movie and you you got together for 15 minutes of partnership you don't there's there's no there's not enough of a relationship there to base guilt on for Batman, though Batman is very much characterized by guilt. So maybe it's just like any kind of guilt is what feeds him. But anyway, you reminded me of when Tim was talking about the dark costume earlier, it almost mm-hmm. would have been better if like, you know, cause Batman said to Alfred, right. Expect Superman to come by. I, why? Because Superman was using his footprint vision to follow the trail. I don't know. <laughs> instead of just going straight there. But but yeah, it would have been better for him to show up there in his plain clothes. And then like, ah oh, yes, oh, Alfred you know, has a suit for Master him. Wayne made this for you. And it's a suit. <laughs> but of course it's black. Right. And it can start off as kind of a joke. Yeah. Like, oh well, like, you I don't know, know how so I you wanted me in your colors. <laughs> and then you could have him say if Batman reply something like, Well, I don't put my partners in red anymore. Which would have been a great touch for the Robin thing with Joker. And a really poignant connection for the two characters. And a reason for him to wear the black suit that made sense. <laughs> that was a great fucking Someone call Warner Brothers. Scott, that's amazing. <laughs> I don't put my partners in red anymore. Just like just, what you were saying about his motivations. I keep coming back to the fact that this is a Bruce where Jason is dead already. We have yeah. no idea where Dick is. Or Tim, assuming Tim exists. Right? This is an old, like, moving into the end of his career, Bruce, in Batman v Superman. Right? And so the one of the motivations I felt for the Justice League would be that, well, A, I'm just a human, so we need something more powerful like Superman, right? But that B, this is going to be one of the ways I can contribute beyond my death, my inevitable and very soon death, right? And I sort of liked the idea that that Batman might, for one reason or another, step either die or step out of the game at the end of if not the end of Justice League, then the end of the Justice League's like solid formation, right? assuming then that his job was done and we might see more characters or have a reckoning with the Joker or, you know, maybe Dick shows up. Right. But like, I mean, who knows where that was going to go, but that was maybe one of the, (laughs) the the studio cut has that weird sort of romantic subplot with Diana that they kind of shoehorned in a little bit. Yeah. That's awkward. But the part of that that made sense to me was the part where Bruce is sort of admitting like, you know, yeah, I'm kind of at the end of my run here. And I need to start thinking about what comes next. That perspective was the one part scene that clicked. And because it clicked with Batman v Superman and with the whole, I have a duty to bring this group together for what comes next and what comes from beyond, right? So I think about that a lot. And I think about, in, in, again, if things we might have lost with the Snyderverse slash actors I want to stick around, right? I want to see more Ben Affleck, old Batman. Who knows if we'll get it, but we'll see. And, and, and that, that was one of the things too, like, you know, uh, and, and I don't know how much of this is, is Zach's fault if, if Warner Brothers is just going to pull the plug on it. But but when he was bringing up like the whole, you know, um, uh, uh, the anti-life equation, you know, 
from from Final Crisis, where at the end of that, Darkseid well kills Batman. So it's like, are you setting this up? Are you is that part of what you're setting up here? Is that you know he's going to use his Omega beams and kill him? But like, but then in this version, are you actually going to kill him versus sending him back in time like what happened in the comics? But then again, that's part of like what they did in the comics was that's how they set up the the the, the Dick Grayson and Jason Todd Batman and Robin. But we don't have either of those people. So like what like yeah like like I feel like there are all these pieces that you could put together in this nice big chess game of like oh you know or like dominoes that once I knock this down it's going to trigger all these events. But I feel like the other things aren't kind of in place. Yeah, like you haven't like like you said where is Dick? You know like like. It, are you just going to throw him in like after the fact, like that was kind of like, you know, again, like one of the things that made a lot of those stories so cool is that th those pieces have been set up for years. You know, we've had Dick Grayson since almost the beginning and he broke out. Raised, on his own. He didn't alienated. Yeah. Falling out. Reconciliation. Right. The whole deal. Right. And then, Oh, look, look, Bruce Wayne happens to have a son. So he kind of comes in and then right around the time Bruce disappears, there's this fully grown Dick Grayson and this little kid who needs to be taken under his wing. And it's like, Oh man, like that, this, that's great. Like prepper, but, it, but yeah, but like none of that, like, it's like, you know, are you, are you just kind of like name dropping these things? Like, you know, the, the, the you know, the anti-life equation, because, you know, it, it's something from the comics and that has to do with dark side, or are you, are you kind of building towards this big epic, you know, like, and, and, you know, maybe I, I, I sometimes wonder too, I feel like those parallels between like Zack Snyder and Grant Morrison, where it's like, I feel like some of Grant Morrison stuff is kind of like on these fringes where it's just like, you know, um, you know, especially for me, because I had read so many of the other crisis stories leading up to final crisis. And I thought final crisis had to do with all those other multi, you know, multiverse things. And it didn't, it was like dark side and him coming back. And, they, and it was just like, okay what the fuck is this even you know and but like it was enough where oh okay if you're working dark side into this is that what you're doing i know that that was kind of the big culmination of that story was oh man like batman's dead but he's not really like like is that what you're doing but like i mean maybe maybe not and and yeah i guess it maybe you know we'll never get to see if if you know the plug has been pulled on this i don't know but like you know, those were, those were the things that were kind of potentially getting me excited about this whole thing, about little, little hints about where this story could play out. But it's like, you know, have you, have you done the preparation, number one, to actually have all these pieces fall into place? But then number two, like, you know, which again, this is not Zack Snyder's fault. Like, we won't get to see that play out. We won't, you know, we won't, we won't ever get to see a Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne, Batman and Robin, you know, because, you know, or or maybe we will, and they'll be shoe shoehorned in, kind of the way a lot of this has been done, where it's like, you know, uh, you know, I feel like that was one of the cool things about that Batman and Robin is like these these pieces came together over decades, you know, not sort of like, oh, by the way, here's a Dick Grayson, you know, that was, you know, that was kind of one of my criticisms of Dark Knight Rises too, how they just kind of throw Robin in at the end, like, oh, by the way, this is Robin, and we're done, you know, it was like, okay, that's kind of cool, but not really because like we don't really get to see the, the 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 fruition of that you know and i feel like that's that's kind of a lot of this stuff but um yeah i don't know like like i said i have mixed feelings because like the hints at those things got me excited but it's like but are you gonna do that and and if not then it's just disappointing and and kind of you know poor planning I mean, if, poor writing they wanted to build a, a long-term franchise we're coming back to them like playing catch up i guess with marvel but like blowing the 
the doomsday death of Superman stuff immediately. Right. While also having, yeah, Batman old and no sign of any of his former partners. Kind of, yeah, like it, it almost felt like you put an expiration date on your universe unless you're going to really bend over backwards to start cramming comic stories. And, and I obviously more difficult things have been done, right? Crazier, twistier plots have been done with success. So who knows? But I, I feel that's, I, I agree with that same sense of not knowing where the path ahead leads. Yeah. And actually, I, I thought of something too, and maybe, maybe you can answer this, but do they actually say that the Robin Joker killed was Jason Todd, or do we assume it's Jason Todd because that's the one he killed in the comics? Like, could yeah, that we assume been? there's yeah, a costume assume. in the Batcave right. during Batman v Superman? It looks a lot like Jason's costumes, but if I recall, it has a bow staff on it, which is a Tim Drake thing. Although, to be fair, the animated universe has sometimes made Tim and Drake into one person, uh, Tim and Jason into one person. Right. So who knows what they're doing there? Um, but yeah, and then it's got, you know, jokes on you written on it. Right. So we, we connected the dots, but all there really is is one Robin suit with jokes on you graffiti over it. Right. And no mention of any other Robins. So at one yeah, point I had heard an of all three or. Yeah. At one point I had heard that there was a, a kind of a planned scene that never got shot and not to do another, like, let's release this cut of BBS. <laughs> but they, somebody was saying that there was a specific sequence where we find out that it is in fact, Dick Grayson who Joker had killed. And that mm. informs a lot of the rage and the violence and the, I I've broken my one ah. rule in this portrayal of Batman yeah. in BBS. Tying in with Tim's origin of the more violent Batman after Jason's right. death. Actually, and that's it's, it's also like, I think in terms of like an interesting way of like reshuffling the bat family. Cause I mean, Jason, Jason is important as a failure for Batman, but in terms of like affection and familial relation, it, it's not there. But if, if Dick Grayson is the Robin that dies and it's your first, the, the your first orphan adopted son that you you exposed to the trauma of of gotham's underground that'll break you as a batman and that that really would inform that character going forward of like no we got to fuck up every everything that could be a threat you know if i'd been more severe with the joker this wouldn't have happened right yeah the gloves are off if i had been willing to fucking kill him as i am now at the end of everything <laughs> Should we transition into uh, favorite scenes? Here we are two hours into our discussion and we haven't talked about favorite scenes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I, who wants to start? Do they have one on the tip of their tongue? I think the, the corridor walking in to get the suit with the, the, the um, echoing um, advice of his father's for Kal-El was really cool. I liked that a lot. I, I really liked the... Um, uh, Flash is running around the perimeter of a fight and taking out all the parademons like in this like shadow uh, sequence. I thought that was really cool. This isn't a favorite scene, so I'll come back. I'm still thinking, but one of the things that I did like a lot better with this version is that they didn't have that family that yes. was around. Like, like that oh was my god, bad. yeah. Yeah, I to be fair, the the Superman with the building and Flash pushing the truck was great, yeah. right? Like those exchanges were neat. But yeah, the the family particularly was cheesy, uh, shall we say? Yeah. yeah, I'm 
kind of struggling to pick a favorite scene because all the scenes I really liked kind of were spoiled by something for me. Or we had seen a version of them before too, right? Well, like, that too. Like the Atlantis stuff was cool. I love the sorcery, the Queen Mara. Yeah. But for whatever reason in this cut, they decided that the characters were not allowed to speak to each other while underwater. So every time they have even three words to say, they <laughs> zoop, they the bubble. The water out, right? <laughs> um, you know, so like, as, as cool as all that was, I then found myself going, what? You know, at the end, um, the, I, I just lost the other thing I was going to say. Oh, yes, the scene where they're digging up Superman. And oh. Mary says, you know, we could do this in like a nanosecond, right? And Cyborg just says, we could. Beautiful. Beautiful. There's that sense of like, yeah, but, you know, as a matter of respect, we don't, you know, like just brilliant. Except that was where that scene should have ended, right? Because <laughs> then I'm sitting here going, ah, the rest of this should have been in the sequel films. Ah, you know, the, the stuff afterwards, with, especially with Diana and Bruce. So, like, I, the, the fight, what you mentioned, Joel, where like, we're seeing the fight at almost normal speed, but also Barry is just kicking ass the whole mm. time around it. I backed it up and rewatched it, like, four times. So, I guess that's it for me. <laughs> that moment of action. I'll go with the uh, the aforementioned Batman line, <laughs> but then also I don't know. I I know they're very corny, but I'm a sucker for the um, when they did the freeze frame during the battle. The Batmobile's there, and everyone's kind of flying in the air, and you got Aquaman with his fork, and like <laughs> I, I just I don't know. I, I it's very corny. <laughs> yeah, it's very corny, but to me I don't know. I, I thought it was a cool shot, um, and it kind of summed up how I felt about this new movie as a whole, just that to me, it was just enjoyable because it felt like a comic book experience um, more so than I think the original cut did. I think getting to know some of the characters a little bit more, getting some of those cool little origin shots, getting some cool battle scenes like that just felt like a comic book scene. Um, so that's why I like that. Um, I'll also say another addition I liked and I'm the only person who will care about it, but the cyborg football game scene yes. one, a cool, like piece of his history and um you know cool to see him in a big game like and, and the crowd reaction looking up his dad's not there and what that meant um but then also because they were playing wisconsin <laughs> yep. and so like does that mean that cotton city <laughs> university is in the big 10 or is this a championship <laughs> game like if they're in the Big Ten, who's out? Is Iowa not in it? Is Northwestern not in it anymore? Like, <laughs> what impact does this have on the sports universe? I need to know who, who Gotham City University is playing on a regular basis in college football. Are they NCAA? Are they Division One? Apparently, I mean, they would be. So what the hell? I need to know about... I just need a football movie. We get that in Dark Knight uh, Rises, right? Or, Night Rises, yeah. Yeah. With the Gotham yeah, Bane takes over. Yep. And then so just give me all the Gotham football stuff. Pro college. I'm here for it. Favorite. <laughs> that was the most Zeke thing I've ever I was I'm so happy to have witnessed it. It was so great. <laughs> I cut to the scoreboard. I'm like, holy shit, not a fake team. So what does <laughs> <Right>. that mean? <laughs> yeah, you can actually see it. The helmets, like the the mm -hmm. uh the icon there, the badge. Yeah, I wonder right? if that's another Snyder mm -hmm. choice, maybe that he has something about Wisconsin because they could have picked from point. you know Star right. City, Coast City, Metropolis. Right. I mean, there are a bunch of other fake cities in the DC universe they could have picked from. Right. Because in Dark Knight Rises, it was 
two fake teams, right? Yeah. I thought I thought it was um Metropolis, right? Mm. Or something. Or I don't I know so. if they, I Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. I know the Pittsburgh Steelers like the actual Steelers were the players in it. Oh. But I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Cool. But yeah, don't know. But anyway, that was a fun little I don't know. I like those kind of like sneak peeks into like Gotham City has a university. <laughs> Like, what is their higher ed system like? <laughs> All that fun stuff. So, world building. God damn it. I have I have one other like little favorite moment that is uh, um, Alfred is working on absorption gauntlets for Batman, and Wonder Woman gives him the side eye. Like, I wonder where he would have gotten that idea from. <laughs> you fucking plagiarist. <laughs> yes, and then when the heat vision destroys one of the gauntlets <laughs> yeah. during the fight with Superman. Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah. I like that little... And we got some Alfred. Like, I I really like Jeremy Irons as Alfred, and I like that we got some some quippiness and some just more of more of him, right? That That that's one of my favorite i like how most of the time alfred is also like like it's like he's bruce's mom where it's like well i guess you're never gonna have any children <laughs> you know? it's just like jesus christ <laughs> sassy bitchy alfred is the best <laughs> oh yeah like like which yeah i guess one of my favorite funny scenes is when one's trying to make tea and he's like very important update. Zack Snyder was born in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So yeah. <laughs> Snydery choice there. <laughs> Release the badger cut. <laughs> what was your favorite scene, I need Tim? Um, I think, like, I'm trying to think through the whole thing. And I think, sadly enough, there were actually some of the scenes that were, there were a few, a handful of scenes in the original that weren't in this one that I was really disappointed with. Um, but so uh, like, I think a lot of my favorite scenes were, well, first of all, I, I really liked the, uh, the age of heroes battle scene. Um, because like, you know, we actually got to see dark side and we, I feel like we saw more of the battle. Whereas in the original version, it was kind of just like hinted at, and here's a few things. Oh, look, there's a green lantern real quick. You know, like maybe it was about the same length, but it felt longer. It felt more in depth. Um, and maybe it had more weight because it was dark side, not Steppenwolf. You know, I feel like it, you know, in the original, I think that was also just one of my big things too, is just like Steppenwolf as a villain just didn't do it for me. So getting to see, actually see dark side in this one, like all of that was great. Um, uh, so yeah, that battle scene and then the end battle scene, um, I feel like it was, it just seemed like a lot cleaner. It was more brutal. Um, I feel like it was so much more of a flex the way like Superman just like stood there as the ax just like hit like just like yeah not impressed and then like <laughs> how chill he was by just like blowing his ice breath on the, the axe to shatter it like it was it was less actiony but somehow more impactful than like in the original version um and uh, actually it just popped into my head I think my my favorite scene was when Diana takes the arrow and goes down into that like cavern yeah tomb raider painting yeah like like that was that was really cool that was unexpected and that was something too that was like i think one of the things that also bugged me about this film is yeah how the mother box is just kind of like pop up all of a sudden it's like oh here's this big threat and here's you know you know trying to cram all this exposition in so the fact that they you know and i know they kind of mentioned like oh they were involved in that battle but the fact that it's like there was 
ancient stuff on earth, like talking about the mother boxes, like, like that kind of gave more validity to me that it was like, it was this ancient thing and there was a record of it. It's just, we didn't know about it. We didn't know where it was. Um, and I love how like on the, on the, the wall painting, like the boxes had that like sort of gold leaf paint, you know, so they really like stood out and were shiny and like, and then like it all culminated with this, this painting of dark side. And I was like, that is really cool. Like that, you know, cause I feel like, you know, someone who's, you know, he, he's been there before and he's supposed to be this like, almost like, you know, devil kind of character, you know, where like, yeah, there are paintings all over the place of Satan, and, you know, Lucifer and the devil, you know, and it's like, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's like this iconic thing. And it's like, if you're talking about something that was part of the earth's ancient history, like there should be a record of it somewhere. So like the fact that like, oh, in this one little tomb, here's this painting of this like, you know, great destroyer that we're all afraid of. And so, yeah, that, that, that really did it for me that, yeah, I, I really dug that. I also really like the opening of this movie. I really like the death yell mm. of Superman that, yeah, that cool. being like the catalyst for the mother box waking up. So we, from the very jump we have, okay, this is an ancient thing that has slept slumbered for so long. And then this is the catalyst that signals the the death of this champion in a, in a certain sense. But like Superman's only been then. there for like 40 years. Like what? Well, right. I like if the whole thing was, Oh, this Kryptonian would have stopped your conquest, but now he's dead. So you can do it again. What about the thousands of years before he showed up? Right. Was the question I kind of was left with. It's yeah. also like dark side forgot to write down the address again yeah <laughs> so it's, like, it's very dumb it was steppenwolf <laughs> just because steppenwolf's his conqueror you that section of the galaxy just go make it mine right and of course he fails on one planet it's like well great you're exiled until you can rectify this peon you know and so having it start with steppenwolf being the conqueror in the flashback and sort of treating him as the big bad except for wall drawings and certain other hints only to at the end have it be like, well, wait a second, who was he serving? Like that, that worked for me in the studio cut really well, you know? So to have Darkseid just have his face all over this film was a little, again, a little like Doomsday and BVS, like you're blowing your load too early here, guys. Like let it, let it build. Well, no, but, um, yeah. The idea of a big bad who has, who is working for a bigger bad was, is cool. I just, just like Steppenwolf himself. Like, I just, I just got sick of seeing him. Like, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. He's it, pretty generic, plain, yeah. who's our evil dude, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. And he was almost like, I mean, I guess this is going to, I don't know what I would have wanted, but it was, he was almost like too powerful. And like, I feel like the fact that like, you know, he could, and I know that Diane is more powerful than all the other Amazons, but the fact that like, just like piled on on top of him and it's just like, whatever, I'm just batting horses and Amazonians, but then like this crypto, you know, it was just like, sometimes with, with really powerful characters like that, I, I haven't had a hard time figuring out what their power set actually is. You know, because I'm trying to like do the math in my head. So, okay, if one Steppenwolf is greater than a hundred Amazonians, and then, but this is an Amazonian, but she's more power. So, okay, she, and then Superman's more power. And it's like, I'm trying to like figure out, you know, because sometimes like, you know, you'll be watching fights happen. It's like, well, wait a minute. Now he's more powerful, you know, and it's like, it's just, and yeah, like I have a hard time, you know, or like with, with Aquaman, like, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, like I'm like, can he fly or is he just controlled falling? And, you know, he, <laughs> 
he's falling from like you know i don't really know high. how high <laughs> but he, oh it's okay he because he's standing on a parademon like and landing on a building like how is he not paced right now like yeah. so it's just like i did really like in both cuts how they clarified how much more powerful superman is than everyone else you know because in both cuts even wonder woman and aquaman are they're going toe-to-toe with steppenwolf but he's holding his own you know it's it's a fight it's an right. actual back and forth and they trade blows and etc and then superman shows up and just embarrasses steppenwolf yeah. right it's brilliant it's a really excellent you know i guess justification right for superman's presence on the team um especially because in comics you know he went through a bit of a depowerment where not just kryptonite now but he's also weak to magic right um which is fair and then also they kind of just turned his strength down a little from being perfect to being like no no he's just strong because he's on our earth and getting our yellow sun radiation so like now we can slot him in somewhere in the galaxy and there can be people stronger like it was really nice to see him just show up and win you know and like yeah sure diana and arthur are powerful and they're the the two big guns for this this team at the moment but superman is fucking superman <laughs> it's one of those things like you want a villain he, he also should have had lieutenants not to throw more in, in here but like if there had been somebody who's like really specifically good at i don't know hacking or like could fight with cyborg so it's like okay that's one mini boss or, or somebody who's really good with hand-to-hand or likes weapons or something. So it goes after the Amazonians or somebody with gills who goes to... It's, it's, it's Steppenwolf fucking doing all of these side missions by himself, and he's not the final level. He's just... And you want to kind of establish the, the kung fu film trope, right? Where it's like you, you get your ass handed to you early, and that's the catalyst for either training or building up the team to approach and and storm the castle at the end right so that's also a difficulty that like since it's just steppenwolf going through and and kind of like decimating all of these things in the end it's like okay is he this powerful and then superman comes and just pones him just like and i I liked in 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 justice league you got more of a sense that it was more of an ensemble like they all kind of take their punch there at the end whereas in the the the, he comes in and just chopping wood. Everything. Batman has so little to do in the original cut in that last sequence. He's like, I've assembled you all. Wait here. <laughs> and in this that one, it's an like... eternal <laughs> struggle in Justice League-related things. It's finding something for the Bat family to do. Yeah. And that's good. Like, give him a fucking machine gun because this is a Batman who likes guns and yeah. kill parademons. And he, he just does that. And that it worked. <laughs> he didn't have a whole lot to contribute when it came to punching Steppenwolf faces. But <laughs> how did we feel... Uh, since we're at the two hour mark we're halfway through we're in our <laughs> efforts to <laughs> get feature length oh. now i was just gonna ask how everybody thought about the the flash um dog job sequence i you already know what i thought another thing that would have been better off in a flash movie i was a little frustrated that he'd like just save the girl he took his time there and like caressed her face mm-hmm. and then like admired her like save her she's about to die hurry up you're fast <laughs> but um i don't know i liked like his humor and i don't know it kind of um you know him applying for that job just all of that kind of gave you a sense of like the type of person he is the type of character he is um you know and then to go from that and then his his conversation with his dad and um i think it, it did a good job of providing the backstory and, and everything about him 
that that was actually something for me that might have also led to um, another part that that I actually liked more in the original is when they're they're first going in there with where they have all the the people that they've adopted. Oh yes, like, I save, can't do this. Save Batman, one, like, save one person, and I was like, oh man, and like I didn't realize how brilliant that was till it wasn't in there, and it was like, okay, we're gonna go save the day. I was like, wait, what the fuck about what the you know you're just some kid. What about you freaking out because you've never actually been a superhero before, and like it was just gone, you know, and it was like, oh man, that's right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Like, oh, we already saw him save someone, so why would? But, but that's a totally different scenario like so yeah and funnily enough his i usually just shove people and run away he did that in this film with the first parademon it's what? like the first thing he does in that fight <laughs> is walk up and shove a parademon and it just boom like through six walls and i was like oh that was a take <laughs> i remember that being one of my favorite parts of the studio cut was that sentiment that like i'm not ready for this and batman kind of steps in as a mentor in that scene but when when the finale is Barry saves the day by going so fast he goes back in time, like you kind of have to give him a little more clout. I feel like, and I think I because the the the, the finale is very much reworked, right? We don't have any fucking alien flora and fauna uh, attacking a fucking Russian family for some reason, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's very much more like okay, we need this amount of charge we it, it's the site it's the cyclops and and uh barry show at that point like those are the guys that are going to save this and so i i i liked the sequence with him saving her i liked the hot dog gag but it's really fucking creepy for you to use your power to ogle a girl as as sweet as you tried yeah. to make it where it's like oh i'll put this behind your 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 ear fuck you man just like <sighs> And this movie was much better than the previous one about like uh, TNA because like every shot of fucking Diana in the previous one was overly sexual. So like this this dialed that back. We didn't have that. Whoa! But with I've, this, maybe I need to rewatch the studio cut. But I wrote that down about this. We see upper skirt like eighty five times. Oh, it's it's less egregious in this. I, it's by no means perfect. It's Zach. Like Zach is awful at yeah. this. But I just that was such a creepy like we're supposed to be endeared to this guy and he's taking he's using his superpower. If I really want to play devil's advocate and I don't, but another flash once he rescues you will straighten your clothes, you know, like you're like standing on the curb and you're going, ah, how did I get here? And you look disheveled and then he shows up again. He like straightens your tie and like pushes the hair and goes, you're going to nail an interview whisks off like that's i almost feel like they wanted a moment for that and instead he also said you know what's also cool slow motion and put the two together and it became creepy but i no i don't think that's what happened i think it was just creepy i do not want to give the benefit of the doubt here right that's the thing like take the time to make the hot dog gag like i'm fine with that i i was like oh we're gonna get the hot dog yeah let's do that like i i and it was a cool we've seen a lot of super speed sequences and a lot of other films and I thought this was an interesting take to like, I don't know, like it, it just had a different, I don't know, Barry is not as graceful. He's just kind of like what, meandering over there. And like, it's almost like he's, he's, I don't know, for some reason I picture him as pajamas doing it. Like he's like very flowy and not like put together. I don't know if that's so just, just a, an excuse to do a clock stoppers remake. <laughs> um Actually, I thought of it, um, and you kind of brought this up. It reminded me of another moment that 
um, that I actually missed in this one is when he and Cyborg are talking. I think it's when they're digging the, the grave. And I can see why if like, yeah, he wanted to have like little to no dialogue there. But the part where they're talking and he's like, oh, you know, we're, we're both accident, accidents, you know, like Barry and, and Cyborg. And they kind of start to develop and, he, and that's where he tries to do the fist bump, but he doesn't want to. And it's like, so like you start to see this rapport developing between them two because it's like, well, you know, there's the Trinity over there and then there's, you know, there's, there's Arthur and then, you know, there's us two kind of the young guys, you know, and it's like, I feel like it kind of showed this bond starting to grow between the two of them till then finally, when the six of them are standing there at the end and they do the fist bump, it's like, Oh, it's this huge payoff because I think they try to do the second time. Like he tries to do a fist bump, I think twice and cyborg won't do it till that very last moment. And the fist bump is there, but there's no setup to that. And there's no, um, yeah, there isn't that sort of connection that's, that's established between the two of them, that that's what they have in common. That's, that's sort of like, you know, their little sub pairing within the Justice League, you know, is, is that part of it, you know, because everyone else was either, you know, like born that way, or, you know, with Bruce, you know, he kind of built himself into being the superhero, you know, but like the two of them, like accidents happened to them. And that's why they are who they are, you know, and that was their their connection. So, so yeah, I, I was kind of sad to not see that in this one. Yeah, the, you reminded me of the animated, I guess it's recurrent ex- explanation for the Justice League's first team-up, and it is Darkseid, but there's a bit where, um, you know, they're all meeting each other for the first time, and Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, is there with Batman, and they're doing their thing, and Batman's investigating, and Hal's, like, taking guesses at his superpowers as they go, like, oh, you're you're part this, or you have DNA augmentation, or this and that, or et cetera, right? And Batman just keeps going, no, 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 and finally there's a moment where Hal just, like, you're not just some dude in a bat suit, are you? <laughs> like the realization that the superhero image is just some guy, right? I, I, I almost want to see that now with, with Ezra Miller, right? Instead of the "What's your superpower? I'm rich." Have it be like, <laughs> oh, you know, have him like walk around the Bat Cave and like see all the tech and just be like, "So are you just some person? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> do you have any powers?" So this is kind of like I, I don't know. I don't want to talk this more to death. Um, I had one little last thing. Um, what was up with the score in this film? That was also my last thing. <laughs> well, that, that was something I was interested to see, like, because I, you know, again, I, I'm so used to um, Hans Zimmer being connected to this universe. Um, mm. But then like when I was watching the, the studio cut, like I saw that, oh, Danny Elfman had done the music. So he had kind of come in and, and which is why we got to hear his Batman theme come back, um, you know, which I had totally forgotten that that, that, that happens in this. You know, again, I was just expecting the, uh, um, the, the, the new, new Batman theme that Hans Zimmer had written. Um, but I guess, yeah, that only appears in Batman versus Superman. Um, and actually, I think in, in, in the studio cut, I think there's even a little bit of uh, uh, um, John Williams' Superman theme when, when Superman's fighting um, um, Flash, like uh, at the monument, I think there's a little bit of the bum, 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 like the little fanfare mm-hmm. one. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, so that was something I thought of like, oh, so is are they going to just use pre-existing music? Are they going to have a new score? Like, is it going to be Hans Zimmer? Is it going to be Danny Elfman? Um, and I think, so the, the, the guy, Tom Holkenborg, I think that the junkie XL, that he's the one who I think were, I think he worked with Hans Zimmer on either Batman versus Superman or man of steel. And uh, he's, he also did the score for the new Mad Max movie. 
Um, that's like sort of more what I kind of recognize his because he was the only one who did that. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of weird to see like, oh yeah, we're going to do a whole new score and it's going to be none of the people, well, not none of the people, but you know, and it, it, yeah, it really, it, it threw me a loop because it's, it's like even the scenes that were the footage was the same, like they were, they were all rescored and it was like, huh, this is really interesting. And it, it also gave me some insight into sort of where Zack Snyder's at because like, you know, on the one hand you could say like, Oh, but Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman have both already established themselves as these like comic book movie film composers. And it's like, you know, why are you deviating from that? You know? And and it's like, Oh, it's like, I'm not like all those other directors, you know, but then on the other hand, like with junkie XL stuff, like, and, and, and the scoring he's done, it's definitely, and I, I've, I've watched a few videos with him, like this was before all this. And, and, you know, it's definitely this, um, like, I think he used to be like, like a DJ, like that, the, like he like did like electronic music. I think that was more his origin and then coming into film scoring. So, so for me, it definitely had that vibe of this, this may sound completely inaccurate and this may more based on my sort of insecurities, but like, it tapped into that part of me as a film composer where it's like, Oh, Hey, there's this director I want to work with who, you know, let me, let me write a custom score for your film. And it's like, Oh no, there's this 16 year old kid who's really good with Apple loops and he's just going to do it. Cause he could just drag and drop a bunch of shit into logic and it's going to sound like fire. And it's like, fuck, <laughs> you know, like that was sort of the vibe I got from the, the, the change in tone because, you know, there is that, like, I mean, there were, there were, definitely orchestral elements but it was also like you know very much it had that like not even the hans zimmer sound like the inception sound but like everyone who's been trying to duplicate that kind of cranked up to 11 since hans zimmer did that you know and that's one of the things i've I've actually come to appreciate hans zimmer as a composer more that i've seen a lot of the other stuff that he's done and how how he customizes everything you know like like the sound that happened on inception was for a reason that fit the theme of the movie inception that wasn't just like hey i'm just going to have this big low brass in every film that i do and that led to every director wanting that sound in their films so it definitely seems like you know this whole and and i i've done this before where people have asked me to do music they're like i want it to sound like hans zimmer and as a joke, I always want to say, oh, so you mean ri- driving Miss Daisy? That's what you want? <laughs> you know, because like, like they have this, this one sound in their mind that they want. And it, it, it seemed like that was sort of like the, like, like, like Junkie XL is kind of like, almost like this younger brother of Hans Zimmer, where it's like, I want you to mimic Hans Zimmer, but, but not in the sort of super musical way in the, just the very like in your face kind of like, you know, like that one part where they're all jumping off and like, to be fair, I loved how that music was in time to them jumping all on the ground and like how Batman jumped down on beat one of a bar and he got a full measure. And then Wonder Woman jumped down and beat one of the next bar and she got a full measure. And then uh, Flash and, and, and Cyborg, they only got half a bar. So one of them jumped down and beat one, the other one jumped down <laughs> and beat three because those are kind of like the newer guys. And and so I, I love that. I love like kind of the Mickey Mouse scoring like that. Um, but like, yeah, stylistically, it was definitely, you know, again, this is not your father's justice league. You know, this is, this is definitely, like I said, done by this sort of younger and, and he, I don't think he's that young. Um, cause he's, he's looks like to be about my age, 
but like definitely had this sort of it also reminds me of this story that I heard and this is weird because this also involves Hans Zimmer with the original um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies where I forget is, is it is Bruckheimer is, is that Bruckheimer or is it who's, yeah, who's the other Bruckheimer one? yeah where the the first person who did the score for that movie um it sounded like pirate music and Jerry Bruckheimer was like this is not a pirate movie I want the music to sound like if Cinderella went to the ball and opened the doors and it was a Metallica concert. So to me, like, like this score has that same vibe where it's like, <laughs> you know, it's again, it's kind of, yeah, exactly. It's, it's fucking stupid, you know, and, and not, not that the score was bad. Like, like there were parts of it I really liked and it really had this, this energy, but. I'm not mad at it. I just, that makes me really happy. That description. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so so and and what was weird too is the one thing I did notice is that they did keep the Superman theme. So there is like the the Superman theme that's followed from Man of Steel and and this is one thing I've noticed with Hans Zimmer too is that when he sort of crafts a, a theme it's so specific. It's not just, oh, here's this melody that one time the violins will have it, another time the tubas will have it. If we want to be really menacing the trombones will have it, and then another time it might be played on the glockenspiel, you know, and it kind of like Hans Zimmer will create this thing and it's like that's what part of what makes it so recognizable you know it's like it's all of these pieces it's what instruments what what pitches what melody what this and that's sort of the thing with the Superman theme is like you you only have to hear one chord and you know what it is not just because it's what chord it is but it's like what instruments are playing with it and how much reverb is on it and you know this whole thing so I thought it was interesting that they did reuse that theme but they didn't use his Batman theme or the Danny Elfman Batman theme like when we see Batman it's like a whole different thing now and it was just kind of like oh okay so I guess you know um and yeah, the music did seem much less thematic. It seemed more just kind of like, yeah, this kind of driving industrial, but again, with like, but with a lot of big brass, because that's what you've got to have that we want that sound. And yeah, I, I find, I found myself being taken out of the film because of the music a lot more often than I did with the others. Yeah. Um, I, I almost I, want to rewatch it just to pay more attention to the music again. But yeah, it was, it was definitely like jarring and I definitely noticed it. And that was, yeah, I had a lot of, I had a lot of thoughts on it. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. I felt like one of the most iconic things from the Watchmen movie is the, the hallelujah song, that sequence. Mm -hmm. And I felt like this was very much the same kind of, was, oh, this is kind of what Zach likes, right? Is this kind of slower. And it's been a trailer trope for a long time of like, here's a pop song slowed down and kind of reeled back to like its barest aesthetics to make it sound menacing or to, to make it have more poignance or, or nostalgia or something like that. And I, it, it, like you said, it, a lot of it took me out of it. Like, especially like with Aquaman, like them just singing on the beach was really unsettling. Yes. Oh, that, no, that's, that was really cool. That I thought was amazing. Cause like, I mean, he's like a God to them and that was sort of like this, you know, like this hymn to him. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, some of the song choices that pulled me out of it. Yeah, but no, that, yeah, that one scene, I was like, oh, th th yes, what, like that, that, yeah, I love that. See, now you say that, I'm like, okay. But I think it was just so jarring for me. I think that was the thing. It's like really unexpected and kind of out of left field. And then I was watching the breakdown today. It was like, when he walks out to the pier for the, the, the trailer shot, Mm -hmm. where he's drinking the bot like in in the studio cut that was icky thump he was going after the white stripes it was fucking badass <laughs> yeah. and then they put this sad <laughs> she sea shanty song over it. it's like oh 
anytime I can choose white stripes over a sea shanty, I will. But that's like it 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 definitely it was consistent, but like you said, it, it kind of pulled me out a lot. Um I need to go back at least for the Batman theme in the 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 studio, studio cut. Yeah. Because that's that, a great moment. A cr- iconic theme, like really great. Like uh, it gives me chills sometimes when I rewatch the old show. It starts and I, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's cool to think what well that oh. moment because that was like that was pure Batman. That was Gotham on a rooftop right. with Gordon and with the you know because Batman's through the whole film, but we don't hear it until that moment. It was like, oh yes, like we're home. <laughs> I think what pulled me out um, sound wise was the the Wonder Woman. Like any and it's getting, <laughs> getting memed now, but like anytime she does anything, it's the the. <laughs> No, not even that. Oh. Like the, the like the calls, like the echo. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, the like the, ah, yeah. yeah. Yes, I and had. It, the, I like, yeah, I had, had no, the subtitles, subtitles on. on. Yeah, because, ancient yeah. lamentation music. <laughs> lamentation music. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's just every every two minutes ancient lamentation music, and I was like, well, cool. That's a lot. Even of when that. it was her succeeding at something. Yeah, like what are you lamenting? <laughs> it was a weird descriptor for the subtitles. I don't think. I think that help detract from it right just reading that over and over again but like yeah, yeah usually you get the, the the lamentation music and then you get the cool riff but this time it was just a lot of the lamentation music and it just it, the joke right now like i said it's getting mean it's on twitter and like diana does this or like you know diana opens the door and then like it really did feel like i love that she had that sound to go with her but it wasn't saved for big moments it was everything like you said whether it was triumphant or not like just the same sound it's almost like the george michael from arrested development when he said the the (laughs) peanuts music (laughs) 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 i i I don't know if this was a snyder thing but just while we're getting more lighthearted, there's a bit where the cops are in the star labs building around the spaceship and someone um maybe our nanotechnology expert like you know, he says something about, oh, this This is why we're here. And he opens the shutters and the shutters roll up and the spaceship is there. And I'm like, yes, the spaceship that the entire planet knows is there that you all see on the way to work every day. Ooh, <laughs> like I just was so like, Isn't it open to the air? Like there's like scaffolding. Yeah, like it sticks out the top. Like, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you couldn't like, build whoa. the facility around it. <laughs> right. Like it's a Futurama guy. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk briefly about the future of the DC films because there is still a future that's mostly decided. Um, there are several films here. I'm looking at a list now that have release dates on them. And, um, you know, Less Suicide Squad is out there. We got a trailer just recently, right? Oh, that's right. Love Batman. I guess putting love in front of it helps <laughs> redeem everything, right? Which I'm super excited for. But interestingly, the Flash's solo movie, the Ezra Miller Flash solo movie is still on. Yep basically as far as i can tell as as planned for november of 2022 and it's going to deal with flashpoint they say and then after that aquaman 2 and then that's it um i mean we have another batman film so no batman with affleck that's i get it right wonder woman already had her sequel (laughs) but no cyborg and no more Superman, question mark. Um, mm. There is, of course, a much, much longer list of stuff we want to make, right? Which has Wonder Woman 3 in it, 
and blue beetles, Zatanna, all kinds of cool stuff. And Cyborg is in there. There's a, a solo Cyborg film is in the list of possible future. But I guess what I want to ask is, presumably we're still going to see the Flash and Aquaman 2 more or less Snyder-versed, right? More or less as planned. I'm sure with changes, right? But apparently not total rewrite dramatic changes. I guess just what do you think about that is my question, right? What is the, What are you hopeful for? What are you worried about? Slash, do you think that might put us back on track for a Snyderverse? Or maybe with Snyder attached or not attached, right? But to sort of get back to what we first saw. What do you all think? I was just going to say, I saw a headline today that said uh, there's already been like over a million uh, tweets to hashtag restore the Snyderverse. So here we go. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you say that about like them wanting to do a cyborg. Pre- like we saw, this is the cyborg movie. Like that's, and yeah. that got me thinking. Like the way to do it going forward, if we're like staying with this idea that maybe Dick Grayson is the dead Robin. Like if Cyborg's next movie is starting a Teen Titans as a founding member, that would be sick. Because we've already got Deathstroke is is going to be in the mix in some sense. Like. And so that's the main Titans villain. Obviously, they've done a Titans series, and whether or not that's canon or anything, I don't know. But, like, I think that would be a great... His arc is all about being kind of, like, misfitted and then orphaned and then having to deal with kind of this fall from, like, your bright future as, like, on this cusp of, of adulthood. So he would be a great kind of, like, anchor for this younger team of superheroes and it could he could have his own kind of clout that would be kind of cool i was just thinking what they did with starfire in the um teen titans versus justice league movie Mm. yeah she's you know an adult at this point but she's sort of den mothering the teen titans yeah i can see that for cyborg which speaking of which though i was really disappointed with his design here one of the best things I like about Cyborg is that he's part human right. still. There's very little. And his best storylines come from his humanity having to clash with his powers. Sometimes, of course, philosophically, but sometimes literally. Like, right. like he has to eat, you know? Right. And he gets into discussions with villains or heroes about that, about, you know, remove this fleshy weakness from your person, right? And yeah, this looks like he's just a machine at this point. Yeah. With this design. Yeah. So I don't know what the plan was there but that did disappoint me i'm also like <sighs> using the first flash movie to do a flashpoint storyline just seems like a continuation of bad following bad like killing superman in the first it's, crossover it's movie. so much it's so <laughs> right? it's so yeah. much to put on one film i agree completely a, a flash that we've known for very little time i i i <sighs> Well, Am I excited to see it? Yeah, because there's fucking Thomas sure. Wayne murderizing people. Like I, I'm okay with. I. What were you gonna say, Tim? No, but like, isn't that isn't that part of it? Is that like you know it kind of rewrites the whole DC universe? So it's like, and as far as I knew, like Ben Affleck wasn't doing anymore, and they have no plans to do more Superman stuff. So why are we gonna care if we have a Flashpoint movie that rewrites the DC cinematic universe, and there's no more DC cinematic universe? You know, like. Like what, what, what is this supposed to like affect, you know? And um, yeah. And like Scott, you put it perfectly. Like it's kind of like blowing your load with the death of Superman. Like that was, that was my biggest complaint with BVS was that 
you know, the reason why the death of Superman was so heartbreaking was because we've loved Superman for decades. You know, this, this Superman, like, we don't know how we feel about him yet. And it was kind of like, for him, it wasn't like this, this sort of, uh, you know, I guess tragic moment for, for us. It was like this turning point for him. And it's like, okay, good for you. You finally realize you're a hero and you're going to, you know, sacrifice yourself. That's, that's great. But like, I don't have a connection to you, you know, um, so I feel well, like I did this wanna... the same thing, like we don't have a connection to the DC universe yet, really. You know, I mean, as it is, we've got two two versions of the same movie. So, it, like, what, you know, is are we going to get a third Justice League movie after after you know Flashpoint? Like, what, you know, like what what the hell? Like this, you know, like you know, it, it was it was you know the big deal was it was kind of it changed the whole status quo. But like there there is no status quo. We don't know what the fuck's going on. You know, like so yeah, like I, I think there's more you could do with the Flash besides Flashpoint. It feels like they put his the ending of his solo film into the Snyder cut with the time shenanigans. Yep. Yeah. Right? Like except the part where he says, When I approach the speed of light, weird things happen with time, but I can give you the charge you need for the resurrection. Great. Fine. Ding. The whole rest of it at the end, I just hated every moment of that. I don't know if that was supposed to be a reference to the old Christopher Reeve Superman, right? Where he goes <laughs> it around the planet. Is. It definitely is. But I remember thinking wouldn't this have been a great way to end his solo film where he goes back in time just a little bit by pushing limits of his power and at the end of the film is left looking back on all his regrets and going, I wonder, you know? And then we get into Flashpoint where he really pushes through. Yeah, which I feel like is what they were kind of hinting at when he was running and he's talking about like, what was he saying? Like, I don't know, like... uh, it was, was dad to know, time, like, and I was like, "Oh, is this where he gets the idea? I can go back in time and save my mom." Like, so I saw that the the the, the seeds were planted there, but is it a good idea to actually do it? You know, who the fuck knows? Plus, did they already do that on the TV show? Like, I feel like I'm mean, a few seasons behind, but like, I feel like that has come up multiple times where he has been back there, and he's you know, and it's like it's almost like he's you know gearing up to do it like oh I, like i think he he went back in time and was like watching his mom get murdered but didn't do anything because he didn't want to disrupt the timeline but then i think one time he did you know and it's like like all right we, we we've already we know this story like you know do do something else yes i only i didn't i think i stopped watching the show partway through season two question mark i don't know i kind of just didn't follow but i i remember a scene where he's back in time trying to save his mom and then there's him telling himself right this was a bad idea don't do it yeah I, I distinctly remember that from somewhere it might not have been the live show but i i think it yeah was. no no it was yeah because I, I remember that yeah and maybe that's what i'm saying i don't know if, if in a later season he decided nah fuck it a third me will go back oh. and, <laughs> you know like <laughs> i am i am excited for the batman i mm-hmm. rob yes. robert bat and bat Pattinson. Um, oh man! <laughs> Come on, that was right there for you. No, I know. I, I'm quoting <laughs> Weekly Planet. They call him Ro- Robart Bat and Bat. Um, but like, he he just looks brutal and fucking looks great in the awesome. suit. And like, I'm so I, excited for Jeffrey Wright. Yes, 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 yes. And then like, Joker two potentially. There was some rumors of that. I really enjoyed that film, though. I don't know why they made. A Joker taxi movie, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> like I enjoyed it, but like I feel like with Flash, like I don't, I couldn't name another Flash event, right? except for the Flashpoint, <laughs> right? And I feel like that's a lot of like, what do we market? Also, I think Flashpoint was pretty. 
panned. Like people didn't really like it. They, they like well, certain the, deviations of like in the comics. They like yeah, certain the, deviations. The Flashpoint it. itself was pretty well liked for the exploration of other worlds and such, but it was mm-hmm. used to usher in rebirth, right? The, or it was fifty two. New fifty two, which right. was yeah, because the new fifty two was controversial, right? right? So Flashpoint's results were upsetting. The Flashpoint itself was good. The Flashpoint animated film is excellent. Mm. Want to take a look at that? And then at the end, he's talking to Batman, and Batman's costume has changed from at the beginning of the film because it's the New Fifty Two costume now. Right. So there you go. And I'd be excited to see a Wonder Woman three, though nineteen eighty four was not great in my opinion. Mm. I don't think I'm that's... really excited about uh, Shazam two, which is on the dated list. I still here. haven't seen Shazam. Oh. Yeah. I know, do, oh. I know. <laughs> do it now. June 2023, it says, is their target here. But I, yeah, that Jam 1 was just so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the character is super underrated. And I'm really excited. And they're Black hoping... Adam, right? That one isn't in the dated list. But yeah, they're hoping to make The Rock Black Adam. That's the one I'm most excited for. <laughs> oh, man. I always thought Not he should say. be Lex Luthor, but him as Black Adam is going to be... Phenomenal. And if they can mesh the Shazam movies with Superman, either with Henry Cavill or someone else, then they can really bring Black Adam in and hit hard. Black I'm Adam so versus excited. like Rock Black Adam versus Cavill Superman would be oh, man. awesome. So I can only get so erect. Stop. Stop. Yeah, it's it's good. And actually, I don't know, like Cavill's big, but I don't know compared to. The Rock. I don't size wise. He he might be looking at his his neck like he might be <laughs> a head shorter. <laughs> Dwayne's big. You ah. forget how big Dwayne is. Well, yeah, like his. I feel like his frame is bigger. Like Henry Cavill's like a. a I mean, he seems tall, but he's still like you know, he doesn't seem as like fucking wide as a house the way The Rock <laughs> is. You know, like there were a few shots of him in Justice League though, where it's just like from. He looks, yeah. He well, especially in Man of Steel, when he goes lumberjack yeah. and it burns off on the oil rig, that dude's a yard wide. He's a <laughs> big, big man. <laughs> yeah, Rock is 6'5". I could look him in the eye. <laughs> speaking of... And Henry is 6'1". Speaking of just stuff that's exciting, I'm actually weirdly kind of excited for their... They say they want to do Blue Beetle. Ooh. I... Okay, so firstly, do yourself a favor. Go back to HBO, watch the animated stuff. Just all of it. Like, DC's been struggling yes. in the live-action sphere. They have been owning animation since the mid-90s. Just go do it. Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Teen Titans, Young Justice, boom, boom, boom. Do it all, right? Batman Ninja. Oh, yeah. All of it. But the thing is, I knew basically zilch about Blue Beetle, the newest version of him, until I watched Young Justice which is great. I watched the two seasons that existed. Sarah and I just started season three. I'm all about it. Season two deals with the Blue Beetle and his whole, where that technology comes from and that alien species that shows up and their machinations for the earth. And it was incredible. It was the first time in a long time that I saw something on a screen that wasn't from a comic I'd read already, you know, that just also totally grabbed my attention a thousand percent. So I, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen here with, um, with the live action, but I saw the name on the list and went, Ooh, more please. So yeah, I'm excited. You said some noises. Do you know about yeah. the Beetle? Yeah. I was going to say, I have the, um, 
the his first appearance comic. Um, I checked not too long ago when I was going through my comics, and I think it's up to like thirty or forty now. So I'm hoping <laughs> the movie drops and skyrockets the price on that. <laughs> but no, that, yeah, it's, it's Jaime Reyes, the current Blue Beetle, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. killer. Yeah, so just excited about yeah, just to see, you know, characters like that. I always feel like, um, you know, when you get like a lesser known character on screen, I feel like they can do a lot more with it and results end up being pretty good. I feel like so excited to see what they do. Do we have a new gods upcoming at some point? Yeah. Somewhere again, buried in the list as yeah. possible, right? That, that list is long. Gotcha. Um, and to that's be fair, that's thing. where cyborg and blue beetle are. So gotcha. maybe take all of that with a pinch of salt, but right. Well, cause I, I remember them talking specifically about Tom King's Mr. Miracle run as being kind of source material for what they were looking for, which would be oh, fucking wow. incredible. Speaking of which, when Diana was in the tunnel and she holds the torch up, all I could think was dark side is, is right. Yeah. Uh, I oh, wish they had gosh. used it. Uh, cause they had a lot of opportunities for like dark side and then a pause and then something else dark side is is such a great like it's the yeah. same like inevitable right like thanos improved. being inevitable dark side yeah. is is such a, a great trigger he has forever improved dark side with that yeah that is well he's one. also a fucking double dipper <laughs> in in that run for our listeners um, uh Mr. Miracle brings a, a uh, veggie tray to all of his parlays with uh, his, his enemies. So he brings one to dark side and dark side takes a carrot, sticks it in, eats it. And then double dips. He's a fucking maniac. <laughs> <laughs> that's we needed Barry Allen there to say truly evil. Right? <laughs> and, um, oh, that's not cool. <laughs> so I, okay. Again, from this extraordinarily long list, right? There is some Green Lantern stuff on here, but it's TV related. I'll take it. Oh, speaking of which, Martian Manhunter and the Snyder Cut means their founding seven wasn't going to have a Green Lantern, which A, is like a huge breach of tradition, but B, you fucking cowards, (laughs) bring one back. (laughs) Um, No, yeah. Um, So also of note, New Gods, like you mentioned, uh, Gotham PD TV series. Right. Which I guess is going to not be Gotham, but is going to, maybe tie into the film's question mark i mean gotham central like we really want (laughs) oh don't don't give me hope i know right but then you know justice league dark and constantine and zatanna keep crossing crossing my desk i was gonna say you know they keep showing up i'm mostly interested in static shock right as far as i know he he hears a bit in young justice other than young justice and his show from the early aughts he kind of they, they like to make him not exist. So I'm just really glad to see him there. He's in Batman Beyond, right? There's a Batman Beyond like future. Yeah, because it all connects to the same universe. That's yeah. right. So old, old Virgil is there. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like I think Michael B. Jordan is either producing or he's, he's somewhat in, in some way connected. I don't think he's young enough to play Static, um, but he, I think he's definitely like got his, his fingers. He's a good Black it. Lightning if they want to go that route. Yeah, that would be great. Cool. He mentors Static Shock, yeah. Tim, you'd seen that that the TV show was was that good? I feel like people yeah. liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I forget why I kind of fell off with all the CW stuff, but I, I think part of it's because I was watching kind of all of it in parallel, right? You know, because they do have the crossovers, and then they just started adding like so many more shows, and it's just it's <laughs> hard to keep up. 
Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm definitely a few seasons behind. Um, but I, yeah, I really liked it. Um, there were times where like the black, black lightning was like a little bit slow. And I think, uh, I don't know if people would disagree with me with this, but I think, I think part of that show's weakness is at least when I stopped watching, they, they hadn't integrated it into the rest of the, um, the CW universe, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm sure plenty of people are like, good. I just want to watch one show and enjoy it. I don't want to have to watch flash and arrow and Supergirl together. But, um, that, I mean, you know, that's, that's the type of viewer I am. I like that all these things exist in the same universe. And even though Supergirl's on a different version of Earth than, you know, Flash and Arrow, they did cross over and kind of bring that. So I kept waiting for Black Lightning to kind of cross over. And it, it hadn't, as, at least as far as I watched. But, um, but it was really good. And actually, the, the guy who, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he, uh, he plays like a police officer. And I think he's like Black Lightning's neighbor on the show he actually came to denver and because he's also like in addition to being an actor i think he's also like a like a poet maybe or something but he did some performance with the the colorado symphony where he was like reading this poetry as the orchestra was performing and i was like that's the guy from black lightning i was like (laughs) (laughs) so that's awesome so yeah we'll see a lot of you know again i i'm glad they're not giving up right like what we said about even how batman v superman had potential right the potential is still there and Wonder Woman was great, and Aquaman was great, and I'm really excited to see that there's all this stuff on the list, even if most of it is, you know, just a list, <laughs> nothing more. Um, but really, yeah, do yourself a favor and go watch the animated stuff on HBO Max because it's phenomenal. Hmm. So, Joel, did you have a situational recommendation for this? I, I think we've been pretty long in the tooth, and I think mm-hmm. in an effort to not leave a Zack Snyder in epilogue on this episode, I, I think we're, we're good. I, I liked yeah. the kind of forward-looking as the go-home segment this time, if that's all right with everybody. Oh, yeah. Um, it is a special episode, after all. Special episode. That's all I ever so, want. <laughs> so we don't have to, to adhere to the, the rules of the regular episodes. You know? Regular episode thank you <laughs> i'm so glad you did that <laughs> i love it i guess more mixed feelings for dc in the live action sphere but still more steps in the right direction lots to keep in mind for the future and a long list of of uh, future potential projects that looks really bright and a long list of confirmed projects like the batman that we're super excited about so <laughs> He's going to beat up so many people. <laughs> Positive outlook. Positive outlook. Uh, thank you all listeners for joining us for this special episode. And uh, thank you, my, my three colleagues for, well, thanks to you all, all of you for watching a four hour movie <laughs> in the first place. You don't know what you've done. I'm bringing Yuki Kaze. It's happening. Um, too bad. The foot's in the door. It's only three hours. You're welcome. And thank you all for, thank you all for, uh what's in the door thank you tim yes but thank you all for watching it and for doing this special episode with me um until next time good night bye 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 did you know movie mumble has its very own twitter account please follow us on twitter at movie mumble ntg and tweet at us with questions reviews or recommendations of things you'd like us to watch next